Are you sitting comfortably? Then we'll begin. Everybody and welcome to another episode of There's Still Time, the AFTN Soccer Show, broadcasting on CITR Radio 101.9 FM from the unceded Musqueam Territory at the University of beautiful British Columbia. I'm Michael McCall. I'm Steve Panter. And I'm Zachary Adam Eisenheimer. And what a show we've got for you this week. Yes, we say it every week, but it's going to be another patch show. Would you expect Anything less, of course you wouldn't. It's it's just such a fun time to be watching football locally just now. You've got WFC2 going well, you've got Pacific FC going well, you've got the Provincial Cup underway, League One BC getting underway. That's all, all there is to talk about, really. That's what our show's going to be from now on, just those four things, nothing else. I don't think there's any other team that we have to chat about. Let me just check... Oh, oh! There's a there's an MLS team apparently in in town. Uh, I guess I guess we could talk about that. Yes, starting off facetiously as usual, because to quote the ancient poet Yaz from the Plastic Population, we've been broken down to the lowest turn. Being on the bottom line sure ain't no fun. The only way is up, baby, for you and me now. The only way is up. Yeah, I was just to let you know, like um, uh, I looked up because you sent the rundown and you sent the thing. I, I was looking up the lyrics of the song and I saw some lyrics later on in the song and I'll read them out to you as well. Bringing back an interim coach and making no roster changes doesn't make your next season's chances any stronger. Oh, baby, if the results continue to go this way, Axel might be ordering another after a midnight burger. I mean, it, it was they were so prophetic. Yes. I, it's just, it, it's unbelievable. Just, I mean, I, back to ancient Greek times and they knew that the writing yeah. was on the wall. I think there is another bit later on as well where it says, you can't play three at the back if you don't have the players to do so. Why is everyone in a different position? Please help us. Please send help now. I, I mean, fantastic, fantastic song. Check that out. Uh, I think the video is up on YouTube. Yes, we're going to be kicking things off in this part by talking about the white caps, the white caps woes, as I like to christen it. But we, we are going to try and, and keep us upbeat as we possibly can. Might be difficult. 
might also be difficult to get through this show without swearing and having to mark it explicit. But, but we'll see how it goes because as of right now, the Whitecaps are rock bottom of not only MLS Western Conference, but the entire league. They're bottom of the Supporter Shield standings. They're eight points back of the playoff line. Eight games in. That takes some doing. The worst ever start to MLS season in the Whitecaps MLS history. That also takes some doing, considering how bad some of the starts have been in the past. They've got a goal difference of minus 11. Not only the worst in the West, but also the worst in the entire league by three goals. They've scored six goals. The joint worst in the West is tied with Sporting KC and only the second worst in the league behind Chicago's five. They're in a rut. They've got to get out of it. Out of it. Out of it. Out of it. Michael, Michael, I'm just here to take uh, all the blame for the loss. Yes, Um, folk did realise it was your doom and gloom predictions. 3-0 prediction. Uh, I almost took 3-1, but I think you took that. I I took 3-1. Foolishly. You're so optimistic. I, I just wish I had... I wish I was someone who put money on these things because then I could have made made some, made some money. That and I saw someone post about um, they made they bet five, five bucks and they made fifteen bucks on Kava getting booked. Yes, that, I think that is good money. I'm gonna. I think I am gonna start betting that one. Of, one of my friends back in Scotland has been betting on East Fife to lose the last four weeks. And he's made a tidy little profit, even though the odds weren't great. But you put enough money on, you still make money. He's hoping if it keeps going, he'll be able to afford to buy the club uh, at some point. That's basically how it's going. Yes, it is dire at the moment in Whitecaps land, at least at MLS level. The Whitecaps' latest loss came in Austin on Saturday evening. A 3-0 defeat against a team that didn't really need to come out of second gear. And they... Austin scored three goals from the four shots on target that they had in the match. Whitecaps, incidentally, had one shot on target. That came six minutes in with a not very powerful Brian White header. And after that, the remaining 84 minutes, lots of huffing, lots of puffing, Steve. We've seen it before. Just initial thoughts on the match coming out of this one. I did not expect it to be this bad, honestly. Like this, like I, I, I figured they would probably lose. I, I didn't even know what my prediction was. I might even set a, a draw at one point, but I did, and but I did not expect it to be this bad. This was, was very disheartening. I don't want to say the guy, the players didn't try, but there, there, there was so lack of cohesion on the pitch and what they wanted to do. Like one person, the people, they weren't matching what the person in front of them was doing. Like if one person was pressing, the other person wasn't getting into the right position to follow up on that press. Um, now uh, I know we'll talk about it on the, on the, on the, during the actual thing, but I, I want to put something positive into this right now. Um, Marcus Godinho, great through ball. I just wish he was facing the other way. <laughs> oh dear. Yes. Uh, Zach, watching that, it was hard to know who was the second year expansion team, really, and who was in their 11th, 12th, I've lost count now, season in the league. I, I mean, 
Michael, it was uh, it, it was a, it was a discouraging performance. It was a discouraging result. Um, I think with most games this year, there's been at least like a few things that I think there's it was easy to be positive about. There's a lot of a lot of signs, and I felt with this game that either I was didn't notice the things that there were to be. I mean, obviously you get the kid, the kid coming on and playing whatever, like the Ali Ahmed, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, I think that was just to get his legs ready for his performance at WFC two today, but. Um, where yeah, I think he, I think he, he put in a, a better shift in 24 hours than a lot of the MLS guys. Um, it, aside from that, oh, I, I should say 52 year old Ali Ahmed <laughs> because on the on the MLS website, it's listed as 52 years old. It does, they've got his date of birth wrong. <laughs> they put his number, <laughs> no, they put, no, no, they just, they put, I, they just put the January wrong year 1st. of birth. What number was his date of birth is January 1st, 1970. That's oh. what it says, date of birth as. Is he was he number fifty one then? Yes. Was, yeah. Okay. Um, oh, that's hilarious. That's a that's a great. Is there a snap? Is there a screenshot? <laughs> yeah, I've taken a screenshot of it already. You share that. Um, uh, but no, seriously, it was it was a really like. Am I wrong? It was really discouraging. Oh, it was. I, I mean, it, I, I I want to read this tweet right off the bat that we got from Victor Sum, who said, "I played on a team where the coach thought we were playing three at the back, but the players thought we were playing four but kept wondering why we always had five defending. It wasn't until half-time we figured out we were supposed to be only three back there. That was That's pretty much like watching that game. I hadn't planned to watch the game live because I was meant to be going to three Provincial Cup games. But the first game went to extra time. Then the traffic was an absolute nightmare trying to get back from West Vancouver. So I listened to the first half on the radio. And listening to, to Corey and Colin... It was very entertaining. Now, I think I've spoken about this on the show before, but I love football on the radio. It yeah. takes me back so much to like driving around in Scotland, listening to games, coming home from games. You'd put it on, you get the late game on the radio. There's something special and magical about listening to football on the radio. Yeah. I just think it's a great thing. I think I've only listened to one game on the radio this year, but yeah, like Colin brings this sort of British... Uh, ambiance essence that I think a lot of Canadians are Scottish. Well, well he's that... a Rangers fan. I'm sure he'd say British. Oh, yeah. okay, whatever. I didn't want to say Scottish because I didn't want to. I didn't want to puff up Michael too much. Um, <laughs> uh, this Glaswegian essence that I think people enjoy. Um, and then I like I've, I think I've said on the show before. I think Corey's really coming to his own. I mean, yep. they've got a really to... good working relationship. Yeah. But not not as good as Corey and me when we did WFC too. But I mean, not. it's not. Corey works well with all all, yeah. all Scotsmen, but I mean, like I think he's on the radio side has has done a good job at stepping into like the shoes of a legend, the legend that is Peter Shad. Yeah, um, and I, I yeah, I'm really happy for Corey and and uh, well, I, I, yeah, Corey, Corey, but Corey was like already there when Peter Shad was still doing TV. So yeah, you're yeah. right, he did step yeah. in it away, but it's not like he replaced him. He was already there. No, no, yeah. no, he didn't replace yeah. him, but like yeah. now he has like fully replaced him as the radio guy. Yeah, and, he's, and, the, he's and, the voice now. And if you were listening back in the day, you can see how he's grown. Like just we talk about yeah. players developing and getting better, you can see how Corey's grown and found his voice and. Um, it might not be everyone's cup of tea, but I, I really, I really appreciate how he calls the game. I mean, I, I really enjoyed listening to them in the first half. In saying that, it sounded terrible uh, how they played. 
Then watching it back last night after I'd come back in, I'd, I'd watched the second half live on TV. I got, I just came home and watched the second half. But then I watched the first half back because I clearly have some kind of masochistic tendencies to do that. It was even worse seeing it play out on the screen. So, I mean, we won't... I, I, I'll just let you know, I watched the recorded and I was getting all the... But I had my alerts on my on my phone, so I knew what the score was and I still had to watch it. Oh. So that was difficult. I mean, well... We'll go through the the main talking points from the game. We won't delve too much into the actual game because I want to talk about some of the other aspects coming out of it because I think it's more important. Watching live sucked because I couldn't talk to either of you guys about it. Oh, but the second half was fine because I was I was back watching live. But the second half, oh, right, right, obviously, right, right, the right. game was well over by that point. Um, so yeah, I mean, the game itself, first half, the Whitecaps' only shot stroke chance on target was that white header six minutes in. And then by the 11th minute, they're 1-0 down. And it was just the first of many defensive horror shows on the evening in Austin. Steve joked about it there, but it was a giveaway from Godinho. John Gallagher basically forces the giveaway, knocks it away. The ball goes straight to Driussi, who runs in on goal, totally unchallenged. Plays it just out wide to Ruti, who drills it home. My question for you guys... Am I being harsh here, or was that really bad from Thomas Asal? It just seemed to go right through him. I, I, I didn't notice. I didn't notice. I didn't think it was that bad at first glance. Actually, I thought, oh, this is a yeah. First clap, but when you see it from behind the goal, yes, the behind the goal angle, you're just like, oh, <laughs> uh, he should have had that. <laughs> like that. Like there's no. There's. And I, I've seen a lot of people rag on him after this game. Um, I mean. They've gone in a direction. I think they need to keep running with it as opposed to bailing on it. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, that's definitely one that he'll know he could have done better on. Steve, you're a keeper. Uh, you know, yeah. But so your wife says. I, 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 to- I, I totally agree that he definitely should have had that. But once again, nowhere should have been put in that position. The yeah. thing is, when you are backing up like that, like, like he had to quickly back up because it was a giveaway. Like he was up at the top of the box when the giveaway happened and he had to scoot back and he probably didn't know exactly what his positioning was at that point. Cause it was so quick within like, I think of the giveaway it was within like five, six seconds that you're, you're, and then he's got to back up. He realized he was for too far back. He had to move forward. It's just like at that point for a younger, younger keeper, you're not always aware of your surroundings. And I think that's the reason why it went through him. Like you guys said, like, oh, yeah. like, like, like not being able to figure out, like, and not doing it in a calm fashion because it was such, such a bad giveaway where there was like within seconds the ball was at from the fifty halfway point to the inside of the box. Oh yeah, I mean, if there's first and second assists, obviously first blame goes to Godinho, but second yeah. blame, second blame would go to Hassan. So there is oh, yeah. second blame on this. Like, like he, that's something he needs to work on uh, because, and it was like it, it wasn't even like a, a, a you know one touch. It was a a pass shot right away. It was like within, yeah. like, it was like, it was, it's hard to get your bearings. And that's something he's got to work on with experience. That comes with experience. Like if you have uh, a Max Crepeau or any other like a goalie that's older now, like if they were in that age, they would probably make those same mistakes. And that's why Zach is right. You have to play now. You have to uh, go with what you got. Um, I would say that the, 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 he made a number of saves that the, where it, there would have been more goals on top of that. So like, Oh yeah. He, like he's four got minutes later. But, he, he saved a shot, a volley it, from Dre, you see that. Yeah. And, 
and and there were and, and you talk about the the the, the amounts of space in the midfield. Like we, oh. we could talk about that eleven minute mark, but there was a a point at the four minute mark, like really early in the game, where they they were just like attacked right away, right off the bat, and it was like so much space opens the little field, and that's the problem that they had. Yeah, they they moved the Austin moved the ball so quickly, yeah. and their transitions are it's a joy to watch. I mean, they're playing absolutely fun, love it lovely football to watch and like the second goal in the 26th minute Eruti again with his ninth goal against the Whitecaps in 19 games second only to Chris Wondolowski as a cap killer in MLS and on this one I I don't know what Jake was was doing here he was just again turned a little bit inside and out and it was a good finish by Eruti yeah, again, another issue where he was not helped at all by his defenders. Like, like this is where the positioning of the defenders was off because they, there's no way that shot should have got on net. With two defenders there, and he was yeah. able to split them at such a close uh, distance. That should have been deflected, blocked, or something like that. Yeah, again, Jake Jake looked out of sorts at the left center back position. Yeah. I. But we're going to hear a little bit from Vanny in the next part where we're talking about players being played out of position and they're looking to change that but I think in their head Jake is a centre-back so that is where he's going to play and they're not going to play him on the right side because they've got Tristan Blackman there who has been one of the, the standout players of, of the season I mean right yeah, now Tristan Blackman's probably right up there for player of the year and, and there's no way he's going back out wide because he's he's definitely not a wing-back at this no. point he's, he's a full-back in the position or He's closer to a center back than he is a wing back for sure. Because someone said to me as well, why is, why is Flo Jungwirth not in in this game as a center back? And I was like, Flo would be absolutely crucified for pace against that yeah. Austin team. So yeah, it wouldn't I, have been any better with him in there. I, I saw lots of comments after the game about that too, Michael, that they wanted him in there and his spirit and his, you know, guile and stuff. Yeah, I mean, I love him. I love what he brings to the team, but oh. he can't play against a fast paced attack yeah. like that. Yeah. It's just with the crazy thing, Godoy was on the bench for this game, right? Like he was, yeah. See, see, fit, but this is something I don't get because I, I spoke to Vanny during the week about it, and they said they were going to take Godoy to Austin, but he wasn't good to go, and they'll play him next Saturday in the WFC two game. So it's like, well, why take him to Austin if he was never going to play, and not just play him for WFC two today? I, I just, I didn't get that at all. He must not be ready to play, period. That's why he didn't play for WFC2 yet. Oh, he played last week for WFC2, though. That's the oh, thing. Oh, right. He no, that's the, right. Yeah, he, he went the whole 90. So he should have been playing, for me, he should have been playing today instead of taking him all the way to Austin. But they did not also have a short, with they, also have, they had a short bench, though. That's probably why they. Yeah, I mean, they didn't, well, but then you had Flo Jungworth on the bench. As I yeah, said, that makes that makes no sense. His reasoning makes no sense at all. If, no, like, no, if I, you're going to bring I, someone, bring Matteo Capagna. He's on the MLS roster. I know he's been loaned out to the the team, but you could recall him. Yeah, because they brought up two guys, right? Yeah. Yeah, okay, yeah, that would have made more sense, I guess. Oh, no, yeah, let's travel for him, too. Yeah. Taking taking Godoy there where he could pull a muscle like getting off the plane, that's that's dangerous right there. You don't want yeah. to put him in situations like that. O- only other thing I want to chat about from the first half w- was Alex Ring who kicked the ball into the subs and got booked for it. And I- again, I had listened to this on the radio and 
Corey brought it up, and then when you see the replay, it just talking of Godoy, it just misses his head at like at pace, which it's like that that would have just been so his luck. Oh, I'm just I'm just getting back. Oh, I've just Concussion. been hit by a ball. Concussion. Yeah, when it happened, I was just like, "What is he doing?" I think he just yeah. didn't realize. They, I didn't think he realized they were there. Uh, you saw, I think it was John Poley on the sideline right away. Was like yelling at the ref, like, "What is going on?" I mean, he he knew right away what he'd done. He was really apologetic, yeah. but that that was dangerous stuff. That could have really gone bad because it did just miss Godoy. So that was it. Two down at half time. So you're thinking it's going to need something. Uh- I want, I'm gonna get. I want to get back to that part though. If it's if I'm a sub on the team, I'm taking one and I'm going. For, I'm lunging for that ball coming at me. Like I'm. I want to. I'm trying to get hit to by get that ball off? To, to to make sure that the other guy gets sent off, mm. possibly because he hit somebody. Like he's the only probably got a yellow because it didn't hit anybody. So you gotta you gotta take the ball. You gotta take the hit for the team at that that's, point. That's a saying. point actually because I think if so, it had made contact, that would have been a red. Yeah, Godoy, that would have been Godoy's biggest contribution this season if he had taken that and and, and gotten a red card for the other team. So two down at half time, Vanny rings the changes. It's a triple sub. One of those subs, Christian Dahomey. Twenty seconds into the second half, oh. gets played in on goal. Curls it just wide. Uh, that I, we've joked about this before, like our fine lines moment of the game, but that was one of them because that goes in twenty seconds into the second half, and all of a sudden it's game very, very much back on. Okay, but this is part of the part of the problem is that and I'm sorry, I don't think you said this earlier, but this was part of the problem with the starting lineup. I mean, why if you're going to say because I. Th- think that this is one of the players that Vanny is repositioning in yes. the squad. Yeah, we'll so hear him talk about that do, next part. If you're going to do that, he's in the last year and a half, he's one of the most dangerous players you have. Why is he on the bench? Yep. Caicedo's out with a, a thing. Uh, Gold's obviously out. Like You need as many attacking creative people as possible. Why, why wouldn't you start him? And I know some people said it was even made worse because they feel that even though I don't fully agree with this, White and Cava are maybe too similar. Although I don't think they're that similar. I don't think. I think that I think they complement each other quite well. I, I saw a lot of people online saying, "Oh, they're too you know number nine. They're two center forwards. Mm-hmm. You should have had diversity there." But it it I think I think if uh, sorry, I want to think that if Dahomey starts the game and he gets that chance in the second half. He's more in the game and yep. takes a better shot. Yeah, than, than 20 seconds cold into a game. Yeah. So I think you can forgive him a little bit for that. I genuinely, when I saw who was out, thought, oh, we'll have Kava and White up front with the homie playing behind him as a 10. But I think the reason that didn't happen is because Vanny did tweak the, the lineup a bit. Whether you want to call it 3-5-2, whether you want to call it 3-1-4-2, I think that was the, the sole reason. If they'd gone... For the the three four one two, I think we would have seen Dahomey in that one role, but they obviously wanted to get Vite more in there. Now I know he's immune to having the same lineup twice, but how much do you think this is affecting the players? I th- I think a lot, but, but we'll talk about chemistry yeah, in, in the in the next. Part. I'm jumping ahead. I apologize. Yes. So that could have put the white caps straight back in it, and instead they were still two down. Went three down the 68th minute, Drew Isi. And for me, this this was the worst of the three goals that they gave up because 
you've got Nick Lima with the long throw and Vanny talks afterwards about they knew that he had that in his locker so they defended, they practised against that and how to defend that this week. So Lima takes the throw, it gets knocked on straight into the path of Dreyusi who's run in absolutely unchecked to head home from six yards out. Even the flick on, the guy rises between two Whitecaps players to flick it on. I mean, Steve, I, I genuinely think this was the worst of the three goals to give up. I agree, too. Uh, uh, for me, uh, I don't know who was supposed to cover that zone uh, for the zonal marking, but they totally missed out on that. I think I think the thing is they probably thought he's got a long uh, throw in, but he's not going to be able to reach the far post, so we don't need to put anybody there. I think that's what it was. And and they just shoved everybody into the front area because they thought, oh, that, that ball's going to get into that spot, and... And they should have enough people to block it. But unfor- like, unfortunately or stupidly, the one guy who was in that one area around four white caps was the one that got the hit, a flick on. And that was unbelievable. And they probably saw that too. I guarantee you Austin saw that. that probably on a previous throw-in maybe. That, that like I don't remember if they had one like that before. But they probably saw that they were not marking that far corner. And that's why they said, yeah. let's flick it onto that far post. Well, K- Cascanti did so well to get onto the throw and flick yeah. it on. Like, to, to jump <clears throat> above the two players. And then there was a third player just behind him as well. Yeah. And But, I mean, how, how do you let a guy like Driussi yeah. absolutely unchallenged, unchecked, make that run into the box to begin with? Where's the midfield marking in that? Yeah. He, I mean, yeah. Obviously, like you said, they found the soft spot in the zone or the perfectly yeah. soft spot in the zone. But yeah, Two soft spots. <laughs> well, but yeah, the fact that he runs in totally unchecked is like, it's criminal. Yeah. And like Vanny's clearly pissed off by it and his, his comments after the match, which we'll get to in a sec, were very, very clear about that. The last thing I want to talk about from the, the game, 75th minute, Lucas Cavallini... Now, I know I rag on Cavallini a lot, so I'll get your thoughts on it. Was it a swinging elbow that deserved more than a yellow? If you think it was, do you think Disco might revisit this? I, I'm, I'm really, like, it's very borderline about the swinging part of it. It definitely was an elbow that hit the other person's face, but the only thing is I've seen um, that kind of elbow and it doesn't get called at all. So that's that's where I'm thinking. Like, well, it gets called for yellow, but not a red. <laughs> and I've seen that before. So I'm, I'm, I'm like, I, I personally don't think it was clear and obvious. Like the whatever that the VAR review was, I don't mm-hmm. think it was that clear. That's where I'm saying. Like, if I saw that on a replay and I was the VAR official, I would say that's very close. Like he definitely like it was a there was a motion, but I don't know if it was enough to call for a red card. I I, I thought it. Like, like I think you, Michael. I thought it was going to be given as a red even before the review. Yeah. Because on the on the offside angle, you see his arm go up and he put his mm-hmm. arm back. Whether there was a huge amount of force in it or not, he like intentionally kind of moves his arm back. And when you see the other side, you see that it's not incredibly heinous. But I understand why they looked at it, or they felt like you should just double check this because we don't think you've seen the fullness of the intent, but. Uh, if he was sent off, then you definitely would have had people in Vancouver saying, "Oh, this is harsh and and whatever." So I understand why I understand why it wasn't given. Um, 
but then yeah then there's the question i think you just asked steve about okay what's clear and obvious and whatever but obviously the the var people felt it was clear and obvious mm. and the referee decided yeah. and that, that that that's what happened will the disco get involved i i i tend to doubt so in this case but maybe maybe i wouldn't be surprised Kava, but maybe because it's cava they will mm. i i think it should have been a red and if it had been the other way about i would have thought the same I've, thing so the thing is i've seen elbows like that kind of elbow and it doesn't even get a yellow sometimes like I've seen, yeah, like I've but seen them in so many games. It's something that they're trying to to get out of the game. But it to me, I've seen I've seen contact with elbows in those situations. But to me, it's more the way he's swinging his arm back. I, I feel like because it's seen, not it's not like this. It's it's not in like the running motion. It's his arm up and he goes mm-hmm. back. I've seen I've seen I'm telling you I've seen those kind of plays and I've seen nothing oh, called oh, by those I, officials. I hear you. I just think I think that the, like Michael said, they're trying to get rid of that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. But that was the game. 3-0 defeat. Vanny said post-game the the Whitecaps' quality in the game was naive. He described it as really bad. He feels that they're not aggressive enough in duels. Maybe take Cava out of that that one. Um, And that they just let players run 50 yards without making a challenge. And he's seeing all the things we are seeing. And... It must be so frustrating for him. I know some of the fans have kind of turned him a little bit and they're criticising him for like tactics and formations and lineups, and that's fair. But when you've put the players out on the pitch, they're either not capable to play this system or they're just ignoring it as soon as they get on the pitch because it's, it's basic football skills. No matter what lineup you're playing in, what formation, what your tactics are, you don't let a guy run unchallenged. Well, and, and this is and this is part of the problem. Why some of the supporters are saying, "Are the players not listening? Are the players not playing for him?" Mm-hmm. Which let's, might let's, be too early to ask that. But okay, but let's let's look at it this way. You have a team last year that was playing a pressing system with MDS, and they've been playing it for multiple years. At that point, they, it's basically the same team as last year. Yes, for some reason, they were able to get on a roll. But you basically came back with essentially the same system, the same roster, and you're thinking it's going to work. Like the, the, these guys have shown, and I don't think they pressed as much during that winning streak. I honestly don't think they did as much. I, I could be wrong, but I don't feel like no, they pressed. because that was the so, thing he targeted. He wanted more of that. Yeah, but then he didn't bring in players to that could play that no. system because the players that were playing it last year weren't capable of doing it during MDS's time. Yeah. So th- that's what I'm talking about. Like you're basically doing the same thing over and over again with the same roster and it's not working. I mean, the only positive for me coming out of the game and we touched on it earlier was Ali Ahmed making his debut. We'll talk a little bit more about him in part four. Cause I, I got a chance to chat to him today after the WFC two game, but I, I want to try and exude some kind of positive thoughts. If, if, if we want to go glass half full, you could also say clutching at straws. Some positives. We've got two weeks now to try and work on something. Try and get some players back healthy because they badly need that. And I mean, it would be easy to put a lot of these issues down to missing so many players because if you take six starters out of any team, they are going to struggle. Maybe Michael, not to Mike, this extent. Michael, they have 22 starters on the roster yes there there is that but he has about? talked regularly that he hasn't got to. a start in 11 when you have 
22 starters injuries shouldn't be an issue. But we all know that that's what's said and what's real. Or... <laughs> I know. Yeah. Another positive. Next three games in MLS, four if you include the Canadian Championship, which is more worrying, but we'll come to that. But the next three MLS games are all at home. And at this stage, it's early in the season, <laughs> but you have to kind of feel that nine points is a must from these three games. Wait, what? You think they're going to get nine points? No, I don't no, think they're going no. to. <laughs> Oh, you got to listen, Zach. Jeez, I do not think they're going to no, get nine points. But, so, okay, what, can you clarify must for me then? In order I, to I, make something of, of the season, they yeah. have to get nine points. They're, they're going to oh, get okay. cut adrift if they don't take nine points. Seven maybe. But I mean, they're eight points back from the playoff line already. And you've got to take your points at home. So if you're dropping points on the, lo- the road and giving up goals left, right and centre, I think it's 14 Goals have given up on the road now. You've got to win at home. So these next three games, the only thing really to get us back into it this early is to take nine points from these games. Uh, okay, so you're saying half a point in a game is not good enough? <laughs> no. Unless we want to have two teams in MLS Next Pro. Is that how it my, works? <laughs> my son did say to me this week during the game when it was 2-0. He's like, he's like, Man, the Whitecaps are really lucky there's no relegation in this league. Maybe the two teams can switch two and one and just like t- take each other's place because the Whitecaps, two are top of their division. So to me, promotion, relegation, let's just introduce it now. Let's just switch the teams over. I mean, is there any other positives that you can grasp at just now? Apart from no. the fact that we don't have to talk about that, a game next week. That glass half full is filled with Ali Ahmed. Yeah, I would say that the um, um, they're so close to getting that wooden spoon, and um, and that that allocation money that will just keep keep their their flow their running flow uh, on their in their accounts. Oh, we, Steve, you saw I missed that. You're right. We we won't get first round in the super draft though, because that'll be St. Louis because they're coming in. But we'll get the second pick. There you go. And the second pick always does better. Oh yeah, absolute positive there. So, where do the Whitecaps go from here? Well, let's chat about that after this. Hi, I'm Vanni Sartini and you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show.
Welcome back to the AFTN Soccer Show on CITR Radio 101.9 FM. And kicking off this part, it's the song I quoted from, in part one, The Ruts, a London punk band that was their debut single from 1979, In A Rut, which the Whitecaps most certainly are just now. You can find it on their debut album, 1980's Grin and Bear It. Whitecaps fans aren't so much grinning and bearing it just now, it's more like grimacing and finding it quite unbearable. So what now? Well, aside from maybe overhauling a a lot of the squad, which is really hard to do now that the season has got underway... Don't they have a Nicholas for that? Yes, who was sitting beside me at the WFC 2 game today, really wanted to pick his brains on some stuff, but I thought, (laughs) he's having a day off, let him just enjoy, enjoy the football for once. How... Does Vanni Sartini and the Whitecaps management and the Whitecaps players, how do they turn this around? How do they not get cut adrift, which they are borderline already? Well, I asked Vanny that midweek, so we'll kick this section off with how he thought they wouldn't get cut adrift. If start to the season, it's obviously... Not ideally what anyone was was hoping for uh, after how last season ended. What do you feel the team has to do just now to stop getting cut adrift at at the bottom of the table? Because you're already seven points back and a a defeat at at the weekend could leave it. You're looking at double digits to to the playoff places really early on. Yeah, first of all, it's not going to happen because we're not going to lose. But (laughs) then... uh, (laughs) <laughs> and then uh, you're right. The season has been uh, uh, started not the way that we wanted. Uh, we have to be better. We have to be better in a lot of things. Uh, I would say the main thing that we need to be better is to stick to the plan. I think that uh, we had uh, too much uh, trial of interpretation from too many players uh, during this uh, this run and uh, time where we when we actually stick to the plan and stick to our principle and play the way that we're supposed to play for the entire game the game were actually really good and I referred like in um, uh, a, the game with Portland that we didn't win but we we did a very good performance the game against Kansas the game against New York City at home and I would include also the game in uh, Los Angeles, uh, even even if we lost. The other games, uh, the three games that we lost in Columbus, uh, Montreal, and uh, and Austin and Houston, sorry, uh, we 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 did we didn't do what we we planned to do. Uh, we we drifted away from our way of playing, and we wanted to do things differently and. Uh, we are a team that either we play, since we, we make the organization and the, we always say that our way of playing is the leader. We don't have leader on the field. And I actually don't, don't want leaders on the field. I want that the team is the leader. Uh, if we get away from that, it's done. So we need to be very humble. And uh, if I have to do A, B, and C, I have to do A, B, and C before I can try to do D and E that are going to be maybe magic thing. But... Uh, they're away of the thing that uh, we tried in training. So Vanny there, he spoke there, he spoke after the game. He knows what they need to do. They have to be more aggressive. They have to be more cohesive. They have to follow the game plan. 
But I, I want to talk about a couple of the aspects of the team right now, and some of them we touched on in part one. And first of all, formation. And I don't want to bang on about it again, because we've talked about it last week and other weeks, but it has to change at this stage from a three at the back. But Vanny is so set in that that it's not going to. And I, yeah. I, I don't, I can't get my head around it. And we're going to talk about Whitecaps FC 2 in part four. But I watched their three at the back today and I, I tweeted this out that like MLS Next Pro, it's all about innovative ideas. And the Whitecaps have embraced that with WFC 2 in going for the innovative ideas of actually defending and scoring goals. But that three-in-a-back cohesive unit, all incidentally centre-backs, shows you how a three-at-the-back can work. So if we don't have all the guys fit that we really want in there, namely Godoy with Blackman and Ranko, how long do we keep trying this three-at-the-back when it's not working? For Forever? Seems like it's that's the way it's going to be. It reminds me a little bit. Of, I I don't know if you guys watched this the movie Moneyball, where um, they wouldn't play a certain player out of position, and they would keep playing this other guy. And in one like within two hours, they traded the three players that could play that position in order to force the manager to play the guy they wanted on the pitch. Mm-hmm. And maybe they got to start doing that. Maybe they just got to get rid of some of these players. But I don't know how. How much of a difference, like what the point of view is of what Axel has compared to what uh, Vanny has and how hands on they are. Because th- th- this was an analytics thing where the analytics told them to play these guys at this position and is what, uh, what's the analytics guy's name? I, I can't remember. Now. Well, so, because Overhuel yeah, is, is the is guy he, that is coming from that background. Yeah. Is he, t- is he suggesting this should be the lineup? If he's suggesting it, then the analytics are way off. If he's, if Vanny's not playing what he's suggesting, then there could be some con- like that's where uh, there might be some issues there. Uh, for that's me, a good point. Actually, I might ask Fanny that this week. Like, wh- why does he feel that that three at the back is the system that works, and do the analytics tell him that he has the players to do it? Yeah, and 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 for me, like you're right, it doesn't fit. The players don't fit in these positions, and we've been talking about it forever. And yes, there is a little bit of potential here and there. Uh, but it really doesn't work, and especially the the part that hurts them the most is the midfield at this point. Yeah, like they just don't seem to have the players in the midfield, and that's what's causing. And we've said it before: it's, they brought players in, but for some reason the midfield is just as poor as it was because the players they brought in are not available, and yeah. that's the biggest issue right now. I mean, you're missing Kyle. You're missing Leo Wusu. They're they're out injured. We're not going to see them until into May. And with Kyle, he's still listed like five to seven weeks away. And even at that point, he then still has to get up to match sharpness. So, I mean, Pedro Viti, we're starting to see him now. When He, I, I, he was kind of ineffectual against Austin. And he'd looked good when he came off the bench. I mean, maybe he's a guy that's going to be better. You, you've got this, this Kubis guy coming. But even that, it's not enough. And it's not going to be soon enough because apparently Nimes want to keep him till their season finishes, which is understandable. But even with that, he's still going to have to get up to speed to MLS and the the chemistry with the team and everything like that. So, I mean, if we talk about chemistry, and we did touch on that, Zach, in the last part, all the chopping and the changing, for me, it has to affect the, the chemistry. Fanny doesn't agree 
that that that's an issue. Is it? I mean, surely for the players, it has to be. I mean, like, just think about any like if you want to just say this is a job, they're footballers is a job. Just think about your job if you like don't know what you're doing or don't know if you're the primary or the secondary in your job, like going week to week, right? Like how that that's probably not great for your mentality, your approach, your 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 preparation potentially. Like, I mean, it's gotta not be ideal for them. And again. I think I've said this all off season, but this is so much different than last year. Last year, because people want to say, oh, you know, last year they had this great run. Last year, they had nothing else to play for. They had one thing to focus on. And they were all, it was, it was easy to bring them together to get on that same page. And so chopping and changing wasn't as big a deal because everyone was just buying into the one thing. You're in a season now with multiple competitions. You started, you started off bad, badly in it. And there's, it's like, it's like unraveling, right? And so it, it, this is just, I think, another element that when you're not winning or you're not in a good way or not in form, it just, it it's a, it shows the cracks and it shows, mm. it's a way that that shows that the players aren't together. I mean, the, the comment by Axel there about we have to get the players to execute the game plan. I mean, that's, that's concerning. Yeah, uh, I mean, I, I mean they're being plain for us all to see. Not doing it. Yeah, yeah, it's all, it's all, it's very plain for you and I to see. Yeah, and it's clearly plain for Vanny because he's just, just not happy. Yeah, so I think his players, players, or it's actually players in a desperate situation like last year when they were like basically out of it at that point. They'll, they're playing for their own jobs essentially, yeah. they're, and they're playing for a new contract or whatever you want to say. That's where, like, that's what <laughs> I, I, I keep like. I keep not wanting to say this, but they that was a special situation, and you can't base your future on a no. special situation, and that's that's the issue. Like there's a there's another team in Vancouver that's uh, uh, contemplating that right now because they had a they had a horrible start. Uh, the uh, Canucks I'm talking about, they uh, and then they bring in a coach. The coach does fantastically well. Now they're debating whether they should bring him back or not. Is that the ice hockey team? Yeah, ice hockey team. Oh, ice hockey. Okay. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So it's it's it's, it's it, you never want to base something. You want to base something for the future. You want to look forward, not look to what uh, results were no. in a situation where you got a fresh voice. You, like was Vanny da- was a fresh voice last year, hmm. and that's where that's where it made a difference. I mean, it was clearly daft that they thought it was replicable. Like, it, it yeah, because just- I mean, we we talked about it even last year. It's like can. Can you do that again? Because it's just such an incredible run. No. It's like Brian White. Can he have such a season like he had in the second half of last season? These are all like just outliers when you look at stuff. Here's a quote from Vanny from afterwards that, that maybe gives me some hope that they will sit down in the next two weeks and look at all of this. Formations, uh, lineups, chopping and changing. He said, we need to reevaluate everything. So if he's saying that, for me, that includes three at the back. Then he said, depth chart, even the way of playing that this year. So is that him saying, maybe we shouldn't be going to the depth so much? Maybe we should be having some of this stability? Hopefully. He also said, we're trying to be aggressive, but it's too easy to beat our pressure. It doesn't even feel like there's pressure coming from the white caps. No. The thing is, the first person applies good pressure. It's always like that, but the, there's no secondary being in the right position. And that's the problem. Like there was that, that time I talked about the four minute mark. Blackman was way out of position 
Uh, and nobody, it, it should have actually not even been him. It should have been a wing back that was applying pressure there. You you cannot press in the modern modern game as individuals. You have to press as a team. Yeah. If everyone's not doing it. You It's easy to pick apart. Yeah. If you're not on the same page, and like T- Toss said afterwards, we all know what, what's wrong right now without elaborating. And it's obviously the same things that we're seeing. But if you know that, they need to have a players meeting to talk about this then. And yeah. this is when you need your senior guys like Toss, like Flo. I don't know who else is going to be the locker room leaders in there. Michael, if they're if they're saying they're going to evaluate the depth chart, is there a chance that they say, look, our older, more senior players are not doing it. We need to play our young players and whatever. Uh, do, you, do you think they could do that? I ge- yeah, Genuinely, result? yes, because... I, I'm loath to just throw young guys in for the sake of it, especially this early in the season. But right now, it can get any worse than who we've seen out there. And when, you, when you've got a call-up from WFC2 that is standing out and not looking out of place, and even when Brienza was brought into the first game, he looks sharp up there. These are guys that are hungry and they want to seize their opportunities. Oh, yeah, Brianza looks like he's in good form, too. Yeah, two and two now for him. For me right now, it's a matter, uh, and I I don't want to call the season right now, but it's a matter to next season. And they Mm got to start looking at it where they start uh, unloading players in the summer and bringing in players to to be uh, impactful next season, uh, like in the winter. They can't rely on the winter season transfer window because they really have no success in that at all. So they need to bring in players in the summer that, uh, to look forward to in the in the next the, the next winter, because it's not going to happen at this point. They need to make changes. So where that doesn't work in the Whitecaps model is that they are they can't survive. Like they'll lose so much money if they keep having like twelve thousand or thirteen thousand fans, right? Like so there's that's why there's always this pressure on the coach to say no, you have to do everything you can to win. But it does. In, sorry, I think it's it's it is fair to look at them and say right now that it's not working and why not like if, go young to try and, you know, I, and maybe it is too early in the season. I don't know, but it feels like it's definitely should be an option, but they'll get eaten alive. I think in the, in the, by the fans and I think their gates will be lower because of it. But, but if, if they have, like you said, Steve, if they have foresight to the future, it might, it, it could be the right, kind of idea to, so, to go with sometimes you got to take a hit one season in order to make it like uh, to to get forward like you got at this point they their inability to win games over the number of years it's not even like this last year it's like not last, just not like last year this year or the year before that there's been like four or five years in a row now where they're not winning and the thing is if they continue this the gate's going to be going down anyways that, yeah. that gate that's not going to improve uh, if you keep playing like this, so you got to show some initiative to like, you know, we understand that this season has been a, a crapshoot. We're going to try to build for next year. Don't make that announcement. Like I just said, but you word it in a way where they, they look like they're having some look forward thinking instead of just keeping, don't just try to like, like doggy paddle, actually try to take some strokes to get somewhere. I mean, I, I can't remember who it is. Apologies, but Someone had mentioned that they went from full season tickets to flex passes 
to five game passes to three game passes and now they're not even going at all in the last few years. And I'm sure they're not alone. And you've got to win the fans back. And they did so much right last year to win fans back on the pitch. The way that they played, the excitement, the buzz that we hadn't had for for years. Part of it, I guess, is post-COVID, like getting out the house and getting to see stuff again. But there was a genuine buzz and the, the media were engaged. And you look at the games that's coming up in May and just in MLS. So... These three home games for me are massive. And it, it's Toronto, San Jose and Dallas. Now, Toronto's an up and down team at the moment. They've gone young as well. They're experimenting a little bit. That's a team that could be ripe for the picking, but they can score. We will talk about that in the next part. San Jose, terrible team. Maybe starting to turn it around now that Almeida's gone. We'll talk about that in the next part as well. And then FC Dallas, who seem to be grinding out wins, even though that they haven't been playing the best. You've got to take these points, because after that, you're away to Charlotte and you're away to Sporting Kansas City, who are playing terrible, but we don't do well in Kansas City on the whole. Could they By play the their second of, team? Could they play their second team? Maybe. <laughs> By the end of May... Like we're eight points back of the playoff line just now, and that isn't insurmountable by any means at all. But by the end of May, I think we'll get a pretty good idea. I mean, even last year when we weren't doing well and we're sitting bottom of the West, there were signs in games, and you kept thinking, oh, once we get back to BC Place, once we get home, we can go on a run. And they did. We don't have that luxury this year because we're already playing our, our home games. That's why these three home games for me are huge. They need to they need to play in Utah one game in order to realize <laughs> like maybe they'll bounce back from that. <laughs> oh man! I mean the the other I, I talked about stability in the lineup. It is hard when you are losing players to to, to injury left, right, and center. But I, I do feel like if we if the team are reevaluating everything, like Vanny said there, and I'll, I'll kind of push him on that this week when when we speak in a, his midweek thing. I spoke to him this week about players getting played out of position. It needs to stop in some of the cases. Maybe we saw the the first signs of that on Saturday with Dahomey getting the upfront role. And Dahomey was one of the players that Vanny talked about when when I asked him about that as well. So let's hear what Vanny had to say about players getting played out of, of position. You've spoken many times that you don't have a start in 11, you've got like a start in 2022 and, and you're going to use the squad. Do you feel though that you're maybe not getting the chemistry that you're needing in certain positions, especially maybe defensively with so many changes? And do you also feel that you're maybe getting the best out of certain players in the position that, that you're currently playing them? I agree, uh, especially the second thing that you said. I don't agree on the first one. Uh, on the first one, I think that uh, uh, we we need to play who gives us the best guarantee every week. And uh, I think that's a strength point and will become a strength point like it was a strength point like last year. Uh, on the second part, uh, like uh, we may be expected from some players to be better in some position. Uh, it's true. It's true. Uh, so we are actually reconsidering it. We are actually reconsidering 
the position and the role of some players. When, when we're talking about players maybe not getting the, the best out of them in, in certain positions, one of the players I was kind of alluding to was Christian Dahomey. And we saw last year and the year before, like what a danger he can be in the attack. And I know we spoke in the off-season about how you're looking to wing-backs primarily where you see him. But do you feel that you're maybe, you've lost some of his attacking strengths by playing him there? Because he's maybe concentrating too much on the defensive side of the game and trying to improve that. I don't think he's concentrated too much on the defensive side of the game. I agree with you that uh, um, it was more effective when he played striker with us than he was playing as a wingback at the moment. So uh, I think it's... Uh, when I was referring to him, I was referring to him also that uh, we have to think about which is his best position now for the team. He can be and uh, striker, can be one of the two tens if you play two tens behind the nine. Uh, uh, as a wing back, he showed us that he can do it, but probably at the moment, uh, what we think that he could have been his primary position, his primary position needs to be again one of the position up top. And the, the question that I put to him was Are we getting the best out of players when they're not playing in their rightful position? And then I followed it up because I realized I'd left it too open, and I was specifically talking about Christian Dahomey um, as the the prime example of that because there you've got a guy that has shown offensively what he can do but you seem it's like who was the guy with the long hair that had his hair cut off samson it's oh, like i thought you're talking about uh uh kamiri just but no samson he got his hair cut off and all his power went. It's like Dahomey. You give him that role as a wing-back and you've taken away all his offensive stuff. I st Vanny doesn't agree. I just feel he's trying to concentrate too much on defending. Maybe Vanny doesn't agree because he isn't actually defending that that good. But Are you saying that putting Dahomey up front is like when Samson was at the end of his life in the, in the Philistines temple and he was between the two pillars and he asked God for his strength back? I, I guess I am. I only know about the hair. <laughs> but I mean, but that's what you're doing. You, you've taken away one of your best attacking players, a guy that had great chemistry with Caicedo, and you've just negated that by, by what you've done with him this year. So hopefully that is changing and it, and it looks like he's going, it is going to. I mean, any other thoughts on the team? Anything you want to discuss? You said Kubas is coming in soon, right? Yeah. Well, we think. Well, they, were talking about, they were talking about one on the broadcast, so obviously it's happening. It is happening, but yeah, it's, it's happening. just like names want him till the end of the French season. But, but if, they, I don't if, he stays, if they stay till the end of the French season, then he can't come till July, right? Is that a character? Well, yeah. I, I, unless they announce the signing and then he's going to come after. I, I don't oh, know how uh, that Like works, announce but... the signing and loan him back, possibly. Yeah. Then, then he could come over. Okay. Yeah, but then isn't the whole thing like... It could uh, be the Pedro Morales situation yeah, too, where he guy, plays like a full season and then plays half a year and then he's dead tired next year. Yeah, or he gets dead tired like in August September, right? Like, yeah. I mean, he he looks a difference maker to shore up in front of the of the defense, but are they are they really paying three million? It seems to be which... for a second division player. Well, he like, was he was first division and he's played in La Liga as well. Right, but he's currently playing in the he's second division. He's currently playing 
But then I, I, technically so was Ryan Gold because his team got relegated. So technically he was then a second division player. Even no, though he but hadn't he, played. No, but, I know. But yeah, he, he was in a relegated say, first division team. Yeah. Andre Prelo would look like a difference maker at this point, at, at his age currently, with this <laughs> midfield that we currently have. Yeah. Can, can we get Pedro Morales back? What's he doing just now? <laughs> I mean, the Valor game as well is looming large next oh, month. Oh, is it ever? And especially even more so today, as Valor put six past Ottawa on the road, no less, with yep. Brett Levi scoring an absolutely wonder solo goal as well. And you know PDS is going to be up for it. You know Levi's is going to be up for it. I mean, Valor's not firing on all cylinders just now, but they they took Ottawa apart today. And that is a massive confidence boost for them. I mean, we've joked, but is Vanny in trouble? Yeah, I don't know. Well, first of all, I want to say about Levi's comment. There's a lot of weeks to go before that game. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not sure if he's going to be up for it. At what that is point. it? It's, it's May 11th, right? It's a Wednesday. Yes. Yeah, the crowd right. for that as well. If that breaks the 10,000 mark, I'll be very surprised. 10,000 Valor supporters? Yeah. <laughs> They, they travel in numbers, I heard. There's some Blue Bombers fans out here. Maybe they'll, they'll There were six, that. I think, we saw in Ottawa today. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, oh, yeah. I, well, it was a Glass City. I saw a thing tweeted, like, if the Whitecaps lose to Valor, then Vanny's fate should be the same as MDS, I think he said, or something. Uh, it's hard. I mean, I mean they've, they've set that precedent now. Well, if they're, if they're in last place in the league and they lose to Valor, at that point, like that, then that's that's in a worse position than what. Yeah, because um, because would be taking them off. That, game, that that game was a that game's a busy place, and they were playing on the road. Even though you know, it's still they should have beat. Uh, uh, and, and MDS, aside from that cup exit, his trajectory, the trajectory he had the team on, was going forward, and you had yeah. you had the gold factor, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah, but, but just I, now I, we we don't seem to have any spark. Which is is concerning. I mean, Valor's going to fancy this. They're going to think the, oh. the cup set is on. And right now, I kind of think it is as well. I'm very interested how they will approach this. Because it's always been said they want to take th- this competition seriously. But if you go full strength in this, you've got a chance. They could even do WFC two call-ups for it which I actually think would give them a bit of a chance as well, though, because they're going to be up for it. There's no way Vanny Sartini is playing anything less than his best players in this game. You think? He, Michael, he has to. Michael, if they don't play their best players and lose. But then they've got an excuse if they don't play their best players. If they play their best players and lose. No, but Michael, it doesn't matter. But part of... Part of my understanding of what happened last year is the owners were embarrassed to lose to Pacific. If they get embarrassed at home to Valor, that's even worse. Yeah, I yeah. mean, it's I, mean not that, 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 I think that would be the end of Vanny. I've got to say, uh, I'll be shocked I, if their best players are not playing in that game. If if I'm Valor right now, I'm like a, maybe a week out of the game. I'm tweeting out: If we beat the Whitecaps, we're giving away a thousand burgers. <laughs> <laughs> Via DoorDash or, yeah. or whoever, or, 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 or Uber, Eats. Uber Eats, Uber Eats, yeah, yeah not the sponsor, deal. not the club sponsor, the one that's not the club sponsor. I don't know. We'll see. We'll talk a bit more about that closer to the game. But that is it for our Whitecaps MLS chat. It's not it for our Whitecaps chat. That's going to be coming up in part four as we look at WFC two. 
but we're going to keep our attention on MLS in the next part as we have a kind of little Western Conference roundup. We haven't done that for a few weeks, and we'll be back with that after this. Hi, I'm to St. Ricketts, and you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show. Welcome back to the AFTN Soccer Show on CITR Radio, 101.9 FM. And kicking off this part, it's that sad time of the month where it's our final song from our Artist of the Month. In April, it was English post-punk band Susie and the Banshees. That was an album track from their 1978 debut album Scream. It's called Mirage. It's a fantastic song, really enjoy it. Hope you've enjoyed our songs that we brought you this month. We've got an excellent band to bring you next month. They're a new band. They're going to be playing in Vancouver as well in June, so hopefully we will whet your appetite for them. Whet. Whet. But yeah, that that song came from Susan Banshee's album Scream, and you do want to scream a little bit when you think about the Whitecaps and how they are doing in in MLS right now. Maybe last season actually was a mirage and everything's just all tying in with that and this is actually the the reality. The MLS standings don't make for happy viewing right now, as we mentioned. And when you look at the other teams around the league, I, I say this so much, but it does feel... Like we're so far off the pace and behind them and that it's like a different level. I think it goes back to, I think one way to think about this is how for up until maybe last year, I think it was the first time where it felt like every year the Whitecaps squad got a little bit better than the year before and the squad depth and all that kind of stuff. But you, when you look around the league, every team was at least as uh, was had made at least as good as improvements as the Whitecaps or in most cases, better improvements than the Whitecaps. And it feels like what you're, what we're seeing and experiencing is an accumulation of all those little bit betters over the years, adding up to where the Whitecaps are quite far behind. I mean, we, we spoke ad nauseum about this in the off season that we hadn't strengthened. And it was pretty obvious that every other team around us had strengthened, especially the teams that finished below us. Well, that's what made this year even worse, is there was virtually, there was hard, I mean, the the Whitecaps this year arguably took a step backwards. I mean, when you you lose your number one keeper, who was, you know, at the core of your your defense and who, you know, helped uh, cover over the gaps in your defense or your men or your zonal marking system or whatever, you know, like... Uh, it, was, it was it was a catastrophe. I mean, I, I look around the league 
And I keep trying to have... It might not come across, but I keep trying to have a positive outlook. Like, we've got so many top players out that if we had a full-strength squad starting 11 playing, things would be better. But Axel, Axel, is that you? But I haven't mentioned Pillars, so no. But Vanny said he hasn't got this. He's not going to have a regular starting 11. So negates those happy thoughts a, a little bit. But some of the guys that have to come in, like Godoy, like Alejandri, like hopefully Cubas, and they are going to improve the team that without a doubt. I just worry that when you look at some of the quality around the league and when you see how far we then have to make up, it's a forlorn task. And we're we're so early in the season, it feels stupid to say that. I, it's very different levels. Well, maybe not, but I, like we're East Fife on our East Fife <laughs> podcast. We said very early, look, we have not strengthened the squad. We are going to not do well this season. We're going to be in a relegation battle and we're in trouble. And we, we were. It was clear from the outset we did not have the players to compete with these other teams. Did you? And how, did, how did that go again for you? We finished bottom and relegated. Funnily, eight points adrift. It's it's kind of fitting. We haven't done a full kind of MLS roundup for a few weeks because the shows have just been so packed and so long. I know. I, I do hear some of your feedback and I do hear that I start off shows by going, it's not going to be such a long show and then three hours later... We're wrapping the show up, but so people have been missing the segment. No, I don't think anyone oh, said oh, that. But I, folk are like, oh, another long show. I don't think anyone's complaining about it, and you can listen at your leisure and in stages. So I, I think it is fine, and our, our our listenership hasn't dipped. The only actual episode that's dipped was our CPL special, but mm. that was a midweek show, which genuinely doesn't yeah. draw the same. But our CPL. The interest isn't there, sadly. At the not, same yet. Level. not yet. Not yet. Not yet. Hopefully that will improve. Give it some I, time. I, I thought... Give it about a year. Yeah. Then we'll be all guns blazing with uh, FC Vancouver, Langley, or whatever they're going to be. But I, I wanted to kind of look around the, the West and a little bit on the East because we don't have any real big interviews. We've got a couple coming up in the next part, but they're not our in-depth ones. So this is our chance to kind of catch up two months into the season as, as to how folk are looking, kind of tying it into the weekend's results as well. So let's start off. Texan Derby kicked the action off. Dallas 2, Houston 1, controversial game. Mm-hmm. Houston took the lead in the 33rd minute, Sebastian Ferreira. Then they thought they'd added a second when Mimo Rodriguez had a free kick that seemed to go over the line off the bar, but it didn't get given in the end. Then Dallas, I think, could easily have gone down to 10 men, but Surreal only got booked. Then three minutes left, the South African... I knew I was going to word this, but I typed this in. Zabeleng. Zabeleng? Let's go with Zabeling. Grabs his first MLS goal to tie things up for Dallas. You couldn't tell I'd do commentary for games. And they grabbed a dramatic 93rd minute winner. Ben Facundo Quinon guided it home from just a few yards out off a corner. Great comeback from Dallas. But Houston are going to be pissed off with a lot of things in this one. They are, but these are the these are great games for these two teams, right? They these two teams uh have had some good games over the years, but uh, I think games like this help hopefully 
them in their communities draw more people in. Yeah, because it wasn't a good crowd. No. Which for a big derby game, it was a very early kickoff, which possibly played a part in that. But I but hate to see it, when it's a derby and you see yeah. that many empty seats. But you hope it helps maybe for the next one because it was so engaging. Yeah. Minnesota 3, Chicago now. Interesting game, this one. All the action came late on. Reynoso yes, gave yeah. Minnesota a 72nd minute lead. Then Chicago went down to 10 men five minutes later. Federico Navarro picked up a second yellow. Minnesota. He was not, he was not happy about that. No, no, he was not. Because that game was on one of the channels at a PVR, so it was good I got yeah. to fast forward through that. Um, Minnesota put the game to bed in the final six minutes. Kervin Ariaga in the 84th and then Robin Lode two minutes from time. And Minnesota just doing what Minnesota do, just ticking along, picking points up. Reynoso is a, is their difference maker and he he changed the game for them. And uh, Laud has been someone who's been, I think, really good in MLS. And uh, yeah. his goal was his goal was also quite, uh, quite nice. I mean, you look at these teams though and like picking up someone like Lode and it's like you look at our scouting and the lack of impact so many of the players that we've brought in from outside the league have made. And you you just have to question, like, what happened with, with those guys? Because, like, we'll delve into the full standings, but those first two games, Dallas are fourth now and Minnesota yeah. are fifth. Yeah. So they're, they're getting their points on the board early, which I, I know you can talk about teams that make late runs like the Whitecaps, like Seattle have done in the past, but... Getting points on the board early, I feel, is huge in this league. Totally. And Dallas have done it before and then fallen by the wayside. The Galaxy did it last year and then fell by the wayside. But for these two teams, and Minnesota is that kind of team that just does pick points up. And yeah. they're always there or thereabout. Sometimes it's not pretty to watch, but they do get the job done. I know you're talking about the crowd of the Texas Derby. I was a little concerned that like, Minnesota wasn't full, full. Because it's usually, when I watch the games, they're... Uh, it's like full, and this yeah, this crowd's down. I don't know like if it's a COVID thing. League. I don't know if it's a COVID thing. I wouldn't expect it to I be. I wouldn't think so there, but yeah. Place. But it, yeah, it just felt a little bit weird to see. Like I was like, oh, the, like even the supporter, and I'm like, it's not as tight as it usually is in there. But. I mean, the West this week there were some great games with lots of goals. In fact, throughout MLS, but then you had this bizarre run of games where it was SKC nil, Columbus nil, Colorado nil. Charlotte nil, Portland nil, RSL nil. Doing wonders to sell the excitement of the league to the casual American fan that thinks soccer's boring and doesn't have goals. Yeah. I mean, just digging in a few of these. The KC, like KC, they've been a big surprise for me this year just as to how poor they look. They have been missing some players, but they're just, they're just above us. They're three points above us. They're second bottom. But I mean, aren't they aren't they the like the only team to lose the Vancouver Whitecaps this year? Yeah, which says a lot as well. But um, it's too concerning. In this one, well, I mean, first of all, the match was delayed for nearly an hour with fifteen minutes to go. It was really wet and windy conditions throughout, but lightning caused a delay. Casey dominated possession wise. They were just well, like I think two to one. But despite all that, they only actually managed three shots for the whole game. At home, they were all on target, which is a positive. But that is not the KC that we know, no, at all. And I don't know, I don't know what 
they need to do. But that's a team that you think, oh yeah, I can see them sticking a run together. I can see them going up the table. Yeah, and I was also surprised Columbus has not been as good as I thought they'd be this year. No, I mean, they and only it, had one shot on goal uh, in, in this one for the whole game as well. So, uh, I mean, they're third bottom of the East just now. And they got rid of your buddy. Yeah. yeah Jizzy Yardes. Zardes, even. Zardes, yeah. Yeah. Going to Colorado, which yeah, but- surprised me. That's a good pickup for Colorado. Yeah, I mean, it's he, like if he was if he was on the chopping block, I'd have loved him here. Yeah, he's sometimes he's not got a great first touch, but um, in MLS, he knows how to he, score. That's he's the a, thing. yeah, he's a solid MLS player. Could we not have swapped Kava for Zardes? I would have taken that. You wouldn't well, have taken I, that. Well, I don't think the Whitecaps <laughs> yeah. would 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 value the, the those. Players. Yeah, but I guess bringing in an American international and getting rid of a Canadian. Probably yeah. isn't good optics, but well, and just the the players' value and what they pay and all that. Yeah. Um, what, 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 what What's Adam have... then? Don't get rid of Kava. Have three up front. What would they have brought him in? Like, how would they have announced Zardis is in, in a Tardis? Zardis <laughs> in a Tardis. Yeah, that works. But um, I'm I'm really su- surprised at how poor Columbus has has been after kind of coming out flying, scoring lots of goals. Not and not just because they you know beat the Whitecaps, but some of their mm. other games. I mean, yeah. is, is the pressure on Caleb Porter there? How long a leash has he got? I think he has a bit of a long leash. I think, uh, you know, winning MLS Cup and his uh, his place in the state of in football in the state of Ohio, I think, gives him a longer leash. But that that's a valid I mean, question. I, I don't want to make everything about East Fife, but <laughs> Dave Bakey won East Fife's first championship in 60 years in 2008. 2010, we sacked him. Right. There's no loyalty in football. Is there a wrestling analogy you could throw in as well? Uh, I'll think of one, I'm sure. Um, Zardes came on as a, a sub for Colorado. It obviously didn't help them score as, as they were also blanked. And Colorado didn't have a shot on target at home in this one, which is surprising considering the quality that they've got. Diego Rubio did hit the bar twice in the first half yeah. and then Charlotte kind of turned it up and William Yarbrough had to make five saves in the end, a couple of really good ones. Yeah, which is good for him because he's one of the keepers in MLS to me that's dodgy. Yeah. yeah, like, he, he's, like, he's a guy that... He had, a, he, had, he had howlers last yeah. year who were shocking. But they stuck by him. Yep. I mean, we talked about having to stick by, not having to, but you want to stick by Thomas Asal, and you do, because you, you've made that call now, and nothing's going to hit his confidence more than saying, okay, we've brought someone in to replace you. Yeah. Fine, bring someone in to challenge him. I don't think Cody Cropper is that guy. No. There's still these rumours going around, although I don't know if it's just Glass City that's stirring them about Dane Sinclair. But if you're going to bring Dane Sinclair in, surely you're bringing him in as a starter. But why would oh. Minnesota want to let him go? I know they've got two top starting keepers, but still, I yeah. do not see them wanting to let him go. If Vancouver did that, then they'd have to loan Hassal somewhere. Yeah, because you can't keep him as Sinclair a has to be your starter. Yeah. Then it was Portland now, RSL now. Very little to talk about in this. Portland dominated every stat going. They just they couldn't break down RSL. So for all those nil-nils, it was more than made up for in an absolute barn burner of a game that I watched when I got home after the Provincial Cup games last night. And Har had messaged me going, are you watching San Jose Seattle? And I was like, no, I went, no spoilers, I'm PVRing it. She's like, oh, watch it. 
it's great. Yeah. I went, should I watch the whole game or just the highlights? And just like, first half solid, but you've got to watch the second half. Second half, yeah. So I fast forwarded through the first, and then yeah, I watched all the the second half. What a match and what a fight was, back from San Jose. It was Jose. crazy, yeah. Nicholas Ladero gave Seattle the lead from the spot in the 14th minute. Now, this pissed me off because <laughs> it was over four minutes from when the foul took place to when they actually got to take the penalty as they did a VAR review to see should it have been a sending off. And that's way too long. Way, way too long. That's not what I VAR's forget, for. I forget what game I was watching today, but it went to... It was assigned 11 minutes at a time and it went to 13. <laughs> but yeah, no, that, yeah. The, the VAR, VAR should not take that long. Like it just shouldn't. When, when they first introduced it in England, things were taking that long and that's what was pissing the folk off. But they've, they've got a lot better with it. And I've got to say, on the whole, MLS and VAR, it does run very well. Scotland's introducing it in the top flight from I think December next year, so mid-season, which seems weird. Forty-one of the forty-two clubs voted for it. They're not saying the one club that didn't, but it's a, a second-tier team. So everyone thought it was Rangers or Celtic, but apparently it wasn't. Um. Anyway, back to this game. You don't want to hear about Scottish football, or maybe you do. Um. Christian Roldan made it two 0 in the twentieth minute. Then Christian Espinosa gave San Jose some hope, falling home a minute into first half stoppage time. Yeah. 2-1 Seattle, though, I thought they'll go on and do this. They're both, oh, yeah. They were playing really well. And then Jordan Morris put them 3-1 up in the 57th minute with a, a close-range finish. And you thought, that's it. Well, oh, I thought, sure. that's it. Uh, yeah, well, I was watching and I thought, oh, okay, yeah, it's done. But the, the I was like, I was like, spirit. I was like, the Whitecaps are safe. They're not going to be the worst. Yeah, gonna they're not going to be the worst. But the reason they are the worst the reason they're the bottom of the West and bottom of all of MLS is this comeback from San Jose. Two goals in the space of a minute for the Quakes in the 64th minute tied it all up from, from nowhere. It was just bam, bam. And then VAR in stoppage time was called into play. Penalty for San Jose after a push by Nuhu in, in the back. Can't remember who he pushed, but... Stupid, stupid. What did what did you think about this bar decision? I I thought it was right. Dude, I I, I re, I'm not a fan. Maybe, of maybe that's my Sanders bias. Yeah. New who is like a really unlikable player aside yeah. from the fact that he's a flounder, just in my opinion. Um, and just some how he plays, his the way he fouls, uh, the way he complains is frustrating. Anyways, I, I, I. I you didn't think my, it was a penalty? No, I, I I see why it was. I totally see why it was given, but I felt it was like a little bit harsh. It was a little bit like the guy felt his hands on his back and made sh- like went down in such a way that it was very noticeable that he that there 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 had been contact. But I maybe I, I maybe just how I saw the slow push. But... Maybe how I just saw the slow motion. It's like it's like that's not that big of a. I don't know. But I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm. Don't get me wrong. I'm happy it was a penalty. I'm oh yeah, I was very it. happy as well. I was very happy the way the way it went. But I, I, I can see why he would feel hard done by. Mm. Seattle now face Pumas in the CCL final on Wednesday. Two-legged affair. When that draw was made, uh, I got a text from someone. I won't see who saying, "Piss easy draw for Seattle." 
there in the final. And it was like, yeah. I mean, it wasn't a piss-easy draw for them in the no. end, but that was a really good draw that they got. And they've made the most of it. You've got you've still got to beat the teams in front of you. I don't think they're going to do it. But I think it could be a, a close affair. I have this disgusting feeling like they are going to do it. If they do, I've got to say hats off to them because you've got to you've got to congratulate them because it's like they've played some lovely football so far. Michael, I, you do not have to congratulate them unless you're in the locker room and they're giving you donuts. I thought about applying for accreditation and going down just to <laughs> to eat a donut with Stephen Fry again, but. Yeah. Anyway, let's let's we've talked enough about Seattle in the show. Let's move on to San Jose. What a bizarre departure for Matias Almeida. I, I I don't know if you were following it all, Zach, but he'd refused to speak to media and do his his press duties in the, the week or so leading up to his firing. It's like he was trying to do everything to just piss them off and say, Look, we're gonna get rid of you. And he was like, yeah, I'm not talking to media, I'm not doing this, I'm not doing that. He clearly wasn't happy there. And I think he forced his exit. Yeah, I mean, it, I mean, it's nice for the team that they were able to kind of get that, our coach has gone bump. <laughs> yeah, kind of I don't. But, I genuinely don't know how we lasted into this season, though. I'd have got rid of him at the end of last season. Yeah, I, I mean, I think you're not the only one who thought that he maybe should have been gone earlier. It seemed like his uh, his style wasn't working, not just in San Jose, but in the league. Um, you know, and, and I know he made adjustments a little bit and whatever, but um, I mean, San Jose is one of those teams where they don't, they also maybe somewhat similar to Vancouver. It feels like, uh, for, as an outsider, it feels like they don't spend a lot. <laughs> and yeah, um, players or player salaries or transfers or whatever. So it feels like being coached there, you'd be limited. Um, so, you, yeah, I feel, so I feel a little bit bad for one sense, but honestly, uh, I didn't, I, I, I never liked him as a player. He was a nasty piece yeah, of he was a, as a player. Yeah, he was a dirty piece of work. Uh, it was interesting, Flo Jungworth tweeted out or Instagrammed out after his his departure saying, we, we didn't agree in playing style and philosophies, but I'll miss you. And it's like, mm. I mm. I could see them having very different ways of how to oh, yeah. approach the game and stuff. An Argentine and a German? Yeah, I yeah. can again understand that. It, it seemed a strange appointment to me from, from the minute he got it. I mean, I know he was lauded and stuff, but it just... It, 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 did, it didn't to me in the sense that... I mean, it seems strange, except for when you think about, like, maybe, like, from a Canadian perspective or, like, a, a, like a European uh, perspective, when you look at oh, the coach and the playing style... But like from the MLS slash San Jose perspective, it's like he won the champ, he won the Concacaf Champions League and did well in Mexico and stuff. And so it's like, oh, we're bringing this big, like highly touted guy, and some people know him from his playing days. And so it's like rah 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 rah. I don't think they were looking a lot about like what is his system and how does he like to play. And, yeah, oh, what's and this whole man, man marking. Do, do the players we have can they yes, play that yes, system? Yes. Do can our players man mark for ninety minutes and still you know you know, pick themselves up off the ground and, and go again next week. Yeah. I, I, I don't know that MLS was the league for him. It's And his style of game, I don't know. A lot of foreign managers, mainly Europeans, have come to MLS and struggled. Even people with a very good 
like CV to their their name. It's not the easiest league to 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 manage in. And you look at teams that have won it in the last ten years, and how many of them are domestic managers that that's lifted the trophy o- over the years. I mean, Alex Cavello's come in as interim. He was the Quakes' two head coach. He's just interim. I would be surprised if they gave it to him, but if he keeps grinding out results, it might might be a case. Let's give it to him to the end of the season. Uh, I think they would be foolish to do anything more than that based on, I don't know, just a local experience. Yeah. I, I, I know that... See, it's tough. I, I do feel if a coach has done something and done really well, they should be rewarded for it. And that goes back to, to Tater with the Whitecaps because so many folks said, oh, he was the wrong man for MLS. He earned that chance. And yes. yeah, we won't we won't delve into whether he got long enough or not, but he did earn that. And for me, Vanny earned this shot at, at being the, the head coach. But I feel you have to also then hold your hands up if things aren't working out and say, okay, maybe we were a bit rash with that. I like Chris Armis. I I totally understand your perspective and I respect it. I just think, like I've said many times before, when you look at the variables and you look at the you know the repeatability of it, the you know can you replicate this? I to me it was it was clear. And and who knows? Maybe they turn it around. They go on a, another twenty two game. You know, I know. streak and whatever. But but to me it do, it doesn't. I mean all the factors. The no max. The the Brian having to, you know, out outscore his expected goals in a crazy way. Like it just, yeah. It they'll be pinning this podcast to the bulletin board. I'm not sure how they'll oh, do that. Yeah. But oh, totally. Maybe they'll just get a written transcript. Just as a slight aside, um, I was chatting to people about League One BC and someone asked me, who do you think's the favourites to, to win? And I, I said who I thought the favourites for the men and the women's and I hadn't mentioned TSS in either amongst the, the various teams I mentioned. <laughs> and then Colin Elms retweeted it going, uh, wanted a new commentator. <laughs> and then I said something about, oh, I'm just giving you bulletin board material. To which Will Cromack replied, note to self, buy bulletin board. <laughs> <laughs> so a good bit of banter there. Oh, but oh yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how the Quakes do. Because this win is going to give them a massive boost, but they still do not look a good team. There's some good parts of that team, and maybe Cavello is just going to just be inspirational and get the best out of them and have a Vanny Sartini-style run. But they're an interesting team to watch, and they are coming to BC Place next month as part of this three-game home stretch. and what mm-hmm. looks massive for the Whitecaps in that one, but we'll... We'll see. I think Two, I think Flo should start the game. Yes. What wind them up even more. Two more Western games quickly. Galaxy one, Nashville. Now huge Galaxy dominance in this one. Two to one possession. Sixteen to four in shots. Six to one shots in target. But they had to wait until four minutes from time to grab their winner. Dejan Jovelovic fired at home. That's the, the guy they got from Frankfurt who never really played for Frankfurt. Oh. I think I think that's the guy. I think he came on as a sub in this one as well. but And then today, the other LA team, LAFC, 2-1 win at FC Cincinnati, who have more points than the Whitecaps, so maybe I can't mock them anymore. Since he took an early first-half lead, well, stoppage time of first half, but they took the lead, LAFC came back, Acosta, Muzovsky, 
Two different Acosta scored for two different teams in this. But, yeah, not an easy day at the office for LAFC. They made hard work of it. I think Cincinnati were missing seven starters, I read. And they just squeaked past them. But that is the the results. If we look at the standings in the West, out top you've got LAFC, 19 points from their eight games. Austin in second on 17. Galaxy third on 16. Dallas 4th and 15, then you've got Minnesota 14, RSL 13, Houston 12. That is the top seven, filling the current playoff places. Nashville and Portland are just behind on 11. Then it's Colorado, Seattle just on seven, do have a game in hand. Kansas City also on seven, San Jose on six, and then 14th and final spot on four points, the good old Whitecaps. Anyone impressed you or surprised you in the West, Zach? Well, I think Austin obviously stands out for... for the I like how they play. play. I, I genuinely yeah. love their kind of swashbuckling style. I mean, they, there was times in that second half that it felt like they were playing a road game. But they didn't have to do much because the Whitecaps weren't doing anything. No. Josh Wolf has them playing it like Total Wolf had his Mercedes uh, for all those years in a row, you know, firing on all cylinders. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, they're, and, they're, and his kid even got a little cameo towards the end as well. Yes, I, I saw that. Um, so I think they, they're kind of a bit of a surprise. I know I called it for them to be in the playoffs, but I'm a little bit surprised that LA, LA Galaxy are so far up the table. I am too, because I called um, them not to be. So. Yeah. I mean, but they started last season strong as well. Dallas, I I said, had improved, but we still don't know exactly how much. Salt Lake, I think, has maybe been the surprise that they've kept it going. Well, Salt Lake, Dallas, and Houston, I think, are all surprising that they're in the the right side of the playoff line, no? Yeah. Houston had made some improvements. I didn't think it was going to be enough. But see, when you look at the teams that's out with the playoff spots just now, Nashville... I think could very easily get in the playoffs. Portland, yeah, think, you would expect them. Seattle, even Kansas City to, to pull it together. Yeah, uh, I think Kansas City, Seattle, Colorado, Portland, and Nashville. Yeah, any of them could still yeah uh, still make the playoffs. Which then makes it an even harder task for the Whitecaps because it's like all of a sudden you've not only to close an eight-point gap, but you've got teams ahead of you that you really fancy to be getting in there. Yeah, and. Yeah, um, I guess the biggest disappointment is Seattle. Mm. Um, well, you they, say disappointment. Well, disappointment that they don't have zero points. But yeah. Um, but I, I, again, with Seattle, it's like their focus is where their focus is. It's on winning this first CCL as a you know. Yeah, and they've got a shot at it. minus two goal difference for Seattle though is a bit surprising for me because they've always been quite solid defensively. Yeah, you should uh, maybe take away the donuts from Stefan. I don't know. Mm. I mean, if we quick chat about the East, the two Canadian teams, let's look at that. Philly won, Montreal won, and Philly took the lead with a first half penalty, and then Kai Kamara. Kai Kamara. Nice oh. pass from Kyoto on the right wing. Uh, a cross goal from uh, from Kai, a nice finish. Silky smooth. Is this? I think his second league goal. Yeah. He can still do it. He's going to, I think he's got double digit season in him again. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He could easily get 10 goals in him last. <laughs> Which right now, I'd give anything for any of the Whitecaps players to, to get to that level. Talking to Kai, 
he announced his international retirement this week. Yes, yes. I I wonder how much the the hassle he was given after yeah. the the Nations Cup played I, into that. I wouldn't be surprised if that played into it, but also I think it's the fact of like it's the it's the beginning of another cycle, right? Yeah. So obviously with with African Cup of Nations, it's every two years, so they just had one, so it won't be two years to that. And then obviously World Cup qualifying, you know, it's a, it's a brand new cycle for that too. So I think it. It uh, it makes sense in terms of the timing of of where the the cycles are at for the national team, but it also makes sense with his age and you know where he's at in his career. But um, he brought back memories of that Sierra Leone top that I got yes. off you. I love that top. Yeah, I saw. Was it Austin Sweeney? Someone? I think it was Austin Sweeney. Maybe. Yeah, he's got it signed and it's up on his wall. <laughs> well, next to his signed Alfonso. Yeah. <laughs> fantastic the, the mentor and the mentee like uh, when when that had all happened i thought oh there's a show i had downloaded that i hadn't watched yet it's a bbc one show there's a comedian called rome shranganathan and he has this series the misadventures of romish and he goes to to places around the world that are trying to kind of become tourist hubs but they're the unlikely place that you think tourism would take off. Like, he's been to Haiti, he's been to Zimbabwe, Mongolia, stuff like that. So yeah. this episode was Sierra Leone, and I hadn't got around to watching it yet. So I should send it to you. It, it's really interesting, because they've got some of the most beautiful beaches that yeah. you would see. But then there's this beautiful beach just minutes away from this poverty and all these shacks and stuff in, in Freetown. And... It's just so many of his shows have been like that. You've seen poverty, and then you've seen all these luxurious resorts. But they they featured a a team of disabled people. They'd all they'd fought on both sides of the civil war, mm. and it was all amputees that had been injured in the war and stuff. And they were playing on crutches and things. It was just it was very emotional and really uplifting to to see them how footballs brought them together afterwards and stuff. But there's so many fascinating things I learned about the country in it. And I I learned some stuff from talking to Kai over the years. But it's just, it's such an interesting country. Yeah. yeah, Definitely recommend folk check that that out if you can. The Misadventures of Ramesh Ranganathan. So check that out. The other thing about his goal is it helped keep Montreal in the playoff spot. A a good, a good... Mm. Away or good, yeah, away result. It was in Philly, right? Yeah, TFC yeah. and Montreal both in the playoffs. TFC are fifth, Montreal sixth. Let's talk about that TFC game today. Oh, indeed. Now, I left when it was 4 2, and I hadn't seen the score till I got home, and I was like, holy cow, because TFC went 2 0 up. Yep. Uh, Jimenez. Yeah, Jimenez with that. He's looking, looking good for them. I think he's, he was tied top of the league. Six uh, goals he's got yeah. so far. I don't and know then NYFC had a goal ruled out Bavar, but then hit five what unanswered you, goals. What did you think about that? I, I didn't I didn't know what happened with that. I think they tried to say, but I never, I never went it back. It hit a guy that was offside on the way through. But even that guy, I'm pretty sure there was two people standing behind him. Like yeah, I, I don't know. It was definitely not a block. It was not an illegal block or a pick or whatever obstruction. Not at all. Like it looked, it looked like a, it looked like a great goal. But the way NYC started that second half, wow, bang, 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 bang. But then TFC came back with a couple of late goals. It match of the weekend, even better, I think, than than San Jose 
Seattle... Definitely up there, those two games. If you haven't watched them, check out the highlights. It, it was excellent. So in the East, Philly lead the way, 17 points from eight games. They're three ahead of Red Bulls and Orlando. As I mentioned, TFC and Montreal, they're both in the playoffs on 11 points just now, all to play for. It's been an interesting first couple of months in MLS. I, I, how it's going to play out, who knows? Because it's all going to come down to which teams are hot come the the postseason. I don't know that I'm enjoying this season as much as I did last season, but I think it might just be because there's so much going on just now that's kind of a little bit hard feels, to just give all your concentration to. It feels a little bit erratic, kind of. You know, like the I think some of these results and the crowds and stuff. And yeah, it's not... I don't know if it'll, it could be better than last year or by last year by the end of it. But yeah, right now it doesn't feel quite as like holistically as a season as engaging as last year was. I just watched that goal back and I think that Kansas City guy, or I think that NYCFC guy was the last, the key was offside. Ah. But I think it just it grazed him when it went in and that's why they called it back. They still won anyway, so that's the main thing. Yeah, yeah. But that, that's it for our MLS roundup. We just rattled through this stuff there. Let us know how you find the MLS season so far from a non-Whitecaps perspective. That is it for the MLS chat. But we're going to be turning our attention, well, I guess it's still MLS, MLS Next Pro in the next part. We're going to be looking at WFC2. And we're going to be chatting with head coach Nick Dazovich and the man of the weekend, Ali Ahmed. And we'll be back with all of that after this. Hi, I'm Jay Herman, and you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show. Welcome back to the AFT and Soccer Show on CITR Radio 101.9 FM. And kicking off this part from their critically acclaimed 2021 album, As the Love Continues, the wonderful Mogwai from Glasgow, Scotland, former Arts of the Month. That was one of their rare songs that actually has singing in it because they are predominantly a, an instrumental band. That was Richie Sacramento. Went to see Mogwai on Monday night. My first concert in the since COVID hit. It, it was weird being being back in a, in a crowd like that, but absolutely fantastic show. Ninety minutes of wonderfulness. I had lots of friends at that Need to Breathe show this weekend. Oh, 
I'm right. going to see Sleaford Mods the day before the Toronto game as well. So that's at the rickshaw. It's sold out. So that'll be my next concert. So I'm looking forward to that. But yeah, Richie Sacramento there. Remember when Sacramento Republic, we thought they were going to be coming into to MLS. That all seems to have kind of died off a little bit. Happy days of remembering them playing WFC2. And that is my segue into this part because we're going to be chatting about WFC2. The good news Whitecaps story at the moment. Uh, it's the bright spark in Whitecaps land right now. Whitecaps FC2, fantastic 4-1 win over Sporting Kansas City 2 at Swan Guard on Sunday afternoon. Simone Massey opening the score in the 23rd minute. Emiliano Brazienza in the 25th. Philip Rakic made it 3-0 in the 67th. SKC pulled one back in the 73rd before Joe Hansen rounded off the scoring in the 84th minute. Seven different goal scorers and ten goals in their five matches so far. Really starting to hit their stride. They're top of the Pacific Division of MLS Next Pro, which if they keep that going would take them into the postseason. It's just, it's a fun team to watch. I know you guys haven't had a chance to get there in person, but you've been watching the streams you must have enjoyed watching them so far this season. Yeah, the I didn't get to watch the I didn't get to watch it live this week, but uh, the highlights showed fantastic for the, especially the first two goals. They didn't even show the highlights for the third and fourth goal, so I can't really say to yeah. The third on. goal apparently from somebody that was watching it live messaged me saying I didn't see that goal because it was too fast for the automated camera to keep track yeah. of the ball, so they missed it. Yeah, I had to, why I, had to I hate these cameras. I had to go on Twitter to like actually see the goals because the angle's so far away. And but they have uh, I don't know someone standing behind the net filming like this. Yeah. Like oh, Sarita's behind. It's probably Sarita. Yeah. 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 She's but got she, Sarita. She camera. has the, like the the phone view, and even which is good not... for Philip because it's the only it's his first ever pro goal, and uh, the actual camera missed it. So at least she captured it. So there's that. Yeah. Yeah, and so the I thing saw, is, they, I, I don't. Goals on that. I don't think they even know who scored the second goal because they have it listed as Herdman. Yeah, they had the Jay second. Herdman, but they also had initially the fourth goal was just Joe, because they thought that was his surname. Because I guess they've got the player's name still back to front again. But I mean, this team, they're, they're it's, it's a joy it's, to watch. They're playing wonderful football. And the thing is, especially on, the, on like the, the, the one of the two goals I was able to see, the second goal they had people in the box. Yeah, people at the far post. <laughs> how, how novel is that? People actually going at the net while the ball's being sent in. It's unbelievable. And defensively, as I, I mentioned, like they're playing three at the back with three centre-backs that can play three at the back and wing-backs that can also defend and track back and help out along with a midfield that does that. They're playing as a team. They're playing a system. And they're all playing to the same game plan. They're executing the game plan. And I think there's a lot of lessons can be, be learned by the first team by, by watching this. So I got a chance to catch up with head coach Nick Dazovich after the game, just to chat about the win and a few other things as well. Here's what you had to tell me. So Nick, excellent performance today, 4-1 win, team's on a, on a roll just now, five games in, and you're getting better and better every week. 
Yeah, today was a game where you know, I spoke earlier. I wasn't totally happy with the performance in a sense because we like to play football. This pitch was a bit difficult to play on today. So we went to a different idea. Let's get the ball forward. Let's get it early. And it worked. Um, we like to do, do possession football, but sometimes you don't have the right pitch at the right time. It could be in heat, could be whatever have you. So, But the kids today, we talked about what is development. Development is developing yourself to get ready in stressful situations, but winning is a development. It really is a key part of it. And, Tacoma game and this game has shown that we've grown a lot. We really have, and, and I, I can only take my hat off to the guys that we're on, guys that came off from the bench, gave all, they gave it all. So again, pleased for the players, uh, you know. And then again, I, I don't know how this thing works. Actually, I think we're ahead of our our zone or something. Or... You're you're top of the division, correct? And I think the division winners. Something, but regardless, <laughs> if you're top of something, it's always a special place yeah. to be, right? And it's better to be in the opposite. So they know it. Um, you know, we we talk about how important winning is. It is. It's, it's part of the game, and uh, and like I said, they, they thoroughly. I think they deserve it today. Um, you know, I think I think that two 0 was a bit unfair to Kansas City. Actually, to be fair, I thought they came out quite well. So, but then again, that's part of the game. So I'm glad we're on the on the plus side of it. That was the thing, though, I liked as well, because it's the first time this season you've had a two-goal lead to defend. So you had that one goal lead against Tacoma. They came back into it, and then you came back. Were you happy with how the team then managed it when you went two up? You know, I, I was, but I still felt, unfortunately, sometimes the team like Sporting Canada, we scouted them, and that's actually been fun for our team to scout opposition. We yeah. haven't had that in two years, really. And we noticed that when the ball got played negative, they really put a high press on. So we almost played into their hands by playing it negative instead of playing it forward. And whenever we played it forward, you can see, you know, at the end, Joe got in, we had multiple runs, Philip Rackage gets in. So we had the guys running in behind, which was really, really important. So it comes again from understanding the, the ideas of the game, what our principles are, what time of the game it is. These guys have been playing for two years against, and God bless all the local, uh, all local teams that have played against us. Um, but they've been playing against teams where, it, you know, it's it just there's not that same. When you wake up on a Monday morning and look at the table, that's a big difference, right? Because yes. you're playing for a proper table and standings. And I think that's what the kids have now grasped, and I think it's shown that they want it. Training sessions has been easy to motivate them because they want to keep continuing. And like Ali got up yesterday, Emmy earlier, they yeah. want to play in the first team. And this is a step towards the first team. You know? Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. So I, I, I just spoke to Ali and we were chatting about that. So like Emmy got that call up and then Vasco and Ali went last night. Is there a buzz amongst the players that they know if they go out and they perform, there's a real yeah. chance now, which it's yeah. great to see. It's I'll long be, overdue. Yeah, I'll be honest. When they walked into the locker room today, Ali walked in. I was actually outside. And when he entered, the whole place erupted. So it shows how much all the players were happy for him. Yeah. Knowing that, I'm going to tell Ali, it's not just you, all your teammates helped you to get where you were, including your coaches from before, Vanny and Mike, and recall, all those guys have helped you. Now you've come in and you've proved it again, but, and he won't forget who helped him get up there. He's just a very humble yeah, guy. Yeah, he, right? he mentioned humble. Steve and he mentioned yeah. like so, Vanny. And... For sure, and that, that's humility at its best. Yeah. Uh, and that's what we want to, if nothing else, we want these kids to be good kids. In the community, we always talk about that. So again, I'm, I'm happy with everything in, in, in general. So, But again, we, we, I think we're going to have one of our str hardest games out against San Jose. It's a very good team. Yeah, very although they're without their coach. At the yeah, which, well, they were the first team coach and they came back from behind 4-3 last night. So it's just yeah. been crazy. But no, it's, it's been, it's, I think it's been exciting for these kids, right? It really has. So I just hope we can keep the momentum going. It's like Ali said, it's like a band of brothers. So it's a really close-knit group. And I've been involved with the Whitecaps for a while. And I've, I've spoken to guys coming through. And you spoke about humility. This is, I, it seems, a team with no egos. And we've not had that with some of the young guys in the past. I, I, don't, I don't mean to be, uh, I don't know how to self-righteous, but when, I, when they walk into our room, it's, it's our room. It's not individual. And they know I'll, I'll put them down where they belong. 
because I was a player and I got through playing and I was never a top, top player, but I got through what I did with my humility and hard work. And I kind of said to them, the one negative you have a music coach, I won't put up for that stuff. I just will not put up with it. And it's been incredible. And the good part about this now is they're actually calling out each other, but in a good way. Like, hey, no, we don't do it that way. And it started from a few bust-ups we had early in the season. We had to break them down a bit to carry them through. Now we've broken them. Now they understand what it means. I tell you what, and, and like I said, it's really, I, I don't go in their locker rooms. I just listen. They've got it sorted out. Like, it's at top right now. And I think the guys work for each other. Um, they trust each other, and they'll call each other out in the right way to keep guys going. If someone falls out of line, they're back in. And, that, and that's what I wanted. I wanted to create that culture with, with, the, with this team. Defensively, that back three, I love it. It's yeah. like, obviously, brothers, they've got a bond there. It's three yeah. Italians at the back yeah. as well. Yeah. They look a really solid back three. Yeah, again, I, I thought I thought they did well today. I think we could do better as a, in general, not just as the back three, but as a group in some moments. But the way we play a little bit more, I would say a little bit deeper sometimes, but again, it, it, it suits us with the players we have. And you can see in transition, we're, 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 we're quite rapid at the right time. So yeah. it, it's, it's a nice little mix, especially on set pieces. We almost got in behind them two or three times transition. So we worked at that a lot as well. So... It's, it's just, like I said, everybody stepped up. Everybody's stepping up and everybody, there's, there's a competition amongst the players now. So it's been good. I, I think it's seven different goal scorers now. I'm starting to lose count because you're getting so many. There's so many firsts and like first pro goals. It must just be good to see that the whole team is, is contributing just now. Yeah, again, when we do a lot of our development projects during the week, you know, we obviously got Brendan Shaw who's been immense with me and, and obviously we've got a good staff. But he does a lot of work with those athletes to make sure they get repetitions in the right way. And we instruct them and teach them and correct them. And I think those little moments are helping them to create these kind of better habits. And that's what we want to do. Um, so, yeah, it, it comes from hard work. You know, they're not like Joe's not hitting that one. It's fluke. It's, he's hitting that because he's worked on it. You know, uh, Phillip's not hit that one because it's a fluke. He works on it. I mean, him and Ali spend, I'm not going to say hours, but a lot of time during the week. I'm playing one twos and trying to play in behind. It, you know, there's, there, there's what happens, right? Got to go off. But, Last thing, I've always liked the, the setting team. Last time when we had the AFC 2 as well, I was a big proponent of them. What would be your message to the fans to come out and see this team? Because I, I want more folk to come and see it. I want more media coverage for this team. Yeah, what are you going to say, right? We just—it's it, a local team, you know. It's we're, we're, we're Vancouver White guys, based in Burnaby. This is the home of the old '86ers and the old White. I played here. I mean, I played here with uh, you know the Canadian national team in some games. So it's a dear stadium. It's a small, intimate stadium. Uh, it's actually pretty easy to get to, so you know, I think with the, with the highways not too far away, we're we're kind of located quite centrally. So, hopefully, what the results are picking up is going to maybe get some of the people to come support us, and you know, a lot of the son, family members, and hopefully, we can start to grow that uh, grow that uh, kind of mindset of getting those people out. But hope all we can do is keep doing our job, and hopefully, they'll come out. That's all we can do. Yeah, hopefully, thanks so much, Nick. Okay, and I'll speak no to you next week. Nick Dazovich there, he's a, a hard taskmaster. 4-1 win, still not overly happy with that performance, still demanding more, which is great to, to see that and the team to demand more as well. He's really got them kind of firing up just now. And as he said there, they're playing as like a band of brothers. They're playing as a, a unit. They're all happy for each other. When, whenever anyone gets to like their first pro goal that we saw three of today, you see the sheer joy from the teammates that the guy scored. And I just think it's, it's wonderful to see Zach. Yeah, so that's one of the things I've enjoyed the most from the, 
the difference between the the regular camera view and the, the behind the net is you like you can feel the passion in those celebrations and the uh it, the, i know you told me the stadium was not well packed but like it, it filled up a little bit i'd say it was maybe five to six hundred by the end okay because yeah some of the shouts you can tell are from the bench or the players or whatever and then the crowd sounded good on some of those ladder goals, their intensity. Um, but yeah, the, you can tell that the, they, they're just loving it. And it's a bunch of local lads as well, which is great. And it's like credit to all these local youth clubs that's produced these guys. And there, there is the talent here in BC. They just need the chance to play. You've got this now. You've got League One BC. But the other thing as well that is driving them is the fact, and we touched on it with Dazzle there, and we touched on it earlier, it's this these call-up options to MLS. Now, that's emergency short-term loans or short-term loans not for an emergency have been something that's been around for for a while. Whitecaps haven't really been able to utilise it because they haven't had a second team. Now they do, and that's three players so far this season. Emiliano Brienza in the first game against Columbus, and then the game against Austin, Vasco Fry was called up, didn't see time on the field, and Ali Ahmed... But what an incentive this is for these players, Steve. You know that if you do well and you perform well and the first team isn't, Vanny's not afraid to say, okay, show me what you can do. Yeah, and it's uh, it, you're right. It gives them something to play for. Um, not only they're playing for like this way, uh, they, they have a sh- you know, long-term goal, but they also have short-term goals. Like if I do really well and I'm impressed, I might get that next call-up. Or whatever it is, I don't, is they there can a, see where they're at as well. Because and there's no and there's no limit to these call ups either, right? They can, I think they can be called up three times in a year, if I remember. Oh, right. an individual player. Yeah. Okay. Oh, so yeah, but not, they can do as, they, they can do as many of yeah. these as they want. So yeah. So, so I I think it's a great thing. Like it's something that is needed. Uh, they have them in other leagues too, where they have like they're called farm teams there, yeah. where they can they can call people up and if they're impressing and send somebody down if they need to. So uh, for me, it's a, it's a fantastic setup. That That's the thing, Zach, that I've always hated about the MLS system. Because you you look at, say, in the UK, and I'm assuming it's like this in Germany as well, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I know in the UK, you've got your first team. You've got your reserve team, whether it's the under-20s, and then you've got your youth academy. So if a guy is doing really well, say a 16, 17-year-old, you reward them by saying, okay, I'm going to put you on the, the bench for the first team at the weekend. Now, you might not get on, but you're just involved in that environment, or you might just be thrown on for a couple of minutes at the end. And we've never... MLS doesn't allow that with all this stupid roster rules. And I, I think if the Whitecaps can use this properly and get these guys a taste of MLS... Get a little look to see where they are. And so far, Brienza and Ahmed have not looked out of place by doing that. No, no not at all. I mean, it's it, that's how the Whitecaps have set up their training facility, right? Or at least how it was intended to be set up, right? Yeah, that's kind of like, like Bobby Lennon Tuesday had always talked about like, the IAC system and the, the guys sitting in the academy and he can he see the WFC2 locker room and he can see the first team locker yeah. room and... So um, yeah, and it was it was nice to get a taste of that this weekend with these these kids coming up, and you you hope that more will uh, be able to come through, whether it's you know signing MLS deals or yeah through whatever the mechanisms are that that, that allow that allow them to do these these short term things or whatever. But um, yeah, Brienza is is kind of an exciting player. Maybe it's because he's, he's scored a couple of goals 
recently, but um, and, he, and he, played earlier in that. that he had a slight game. injury, and he's just come back to form, and he's looking sharp. He's looking hungry. He's got two and two now. Got the winner last week against Tacoma Defiance. You, you want form players, and that's the problem with the first team just now. There's not form players, and this team. Everyone that everyone's playing their part. That's the great aspect about WFC two. There's nobody I'm looking at at WFC two just now and thinking, you know what? You've kind of you've you, you've not really pulled your weight, or you don't look up to this level. Every single player has, and the fact you've got seven different goal scorers show that. And we spoke about Ali Ahmed there. I was delighted for him in particular. He is a a great talent. And he's been highly thought of in the, the white cap system for a couple of years now. He's a, a guy that's made the move west from Toronto. A little bit older as well. Only joined in 2020. And obviously then COVID hit, so didn't get a, a, a chance to play competitive games. But he's seizing his opportunities. He's been involved in pre-season with the first team. He played for the first team in the Blues versus Whites uh, inter-squad game that, that they had at BC Place before the season. So I didn't get a chance to chat with Ali after the game in Austin because I was out at a Provincial Cup game. But I did catch up with Ali after WFC 2 because he came back from Austin and then came on as a second-half sub for WFC 2. So two sub-performances in less than 24 hours. Got an assist today as well on yeah. that fourth goal. Let's hear now from Ali Ahmed. So Ali, yeah. some 24 hours for you, yeah. Austin last night, coming yeah. here today, yeah. very different weather conditions. Yeah, very different. How, how, like you've had a little bit of time now just yeah. to think about everything, yeah. has it sunk in yet? You said after the game it might take a little bit of time, so has it all yeah. sunk in now? I think it's 50% right now, Still, it's, it's, a, it's a crazy weekend of emotions, so it's not done yet for sure, this is something yeah. that will take at least... You know, a month because this is something that's gonna be remembered for my life. You know, something like I said, I've been working for. You know, you know a lot. Trust me, because we all have different journeys. You know, I'm a bit older, right? But you know, I'm very thankful that it's it's, it's coming to fruition now. I was gonna ask as well. So obviously, a Toronto lad. Yeah. How did you end up coming to the Whitecaps? Because there's so many options there. When did the Whitecaps show interest in you? Uh, this is about late 2019. I was. Uh, I was uh, my coach from Toronto. He he knew he knew some somebody here. Big shout out to Steve actually. I'm not sure if you know Steve uh, Meadley. Oh yeah, I've yeah, known Steve hey, for years. Hey, hey, big big shout out to him. And uh, he 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 brought me in uh, end of 2019, and I kind of been in and out with the club since then, you know. And uh, it's been official since last year. Big shout out to Vanny, you know. He's he's first one who gave me the call for preseason, first team preseason, first team uh, uh, call up. You know, he he got me the deal with the second team as well. So big shout out to Vanny for sure. This team that we've got, like the way that they're playing, it's it's great football. It looks like a brotherhood. You've really started to to bond together. So like seeing Emiliano called up for that first game, and now yourself and Vrasco for for this game, is there a buzz amongst the players? Like if we if we perform at this level, we can get this call up. Yeah, I, I'm gonna be I'm I'm gonna be real honest, man. This group right here, man. We we are tight. We love to come in every day, man. It's it's a lo- it's a lovely group. I'm gonna be honest, man. Uh, I mean it. I mean every word of it. It's, it's lovely. We love each other. Like yesterday, these guys were buzzing for me. It's it was it was amazing. You know, it's like a family. Like we we always preach family in this in this group. 
and I'm pretty sure you guys can see on the field we, we, we fight for one another and, and we just we love each other man it's just a good group man and you know uh, you know hopefully you know we, we 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 all wish that one another can think get to the first team or you know as highest as we can you know now I know you talked a little bit about this after the game but I wasn't able to, to chat to you after the game but when did you find out how did that go like did you mentioned you got a call, so yeah. was that completely out of the blue? Yeah, it was actually uh, Thursday night. It was uh, I got a first. I got a. It was funny. I got an email about the trip about Austin, and I was a bit confused. <laughs> I was really confused to be honest. And then I get a call literally ten seconds later from a uh, guy Andrew, Andrew Bell, and he let me know that there was a possibility, and then. Thirty minutes after, I get a, I get a text from 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 Vanny. Uh, he's telling me there's a possibility and and to be ready. And then Friday morning, it was it was confirmed. So it was it was when I got the confirmation, it was I don't even know how to put it into words. Man, it was surreal. Man, my heart was my heart was beating. I'm gonna be honest because this is something I I work hard for, man. But yeah, man, it's a blessing. You, you mentioned you you hadn't slept on Thursday night. What was going through your head? Was it nervous excitement? It was. A bunch of emotions, nervous, excitement. I'm gonna say excitement for sure because uh, how many years I've been dreaming for this. To be honest, it's a dream. It's a dream. So just, just putting so many thoughts in my head. Thursday night it took me at least three hours to sleep. So I didn't sleep Thursday night. I didn't sleep. I didn't have a good sleep. Uh, Friday when I got there, like everything, I was just soaking it in. Everything, everything, and then Friday plane ride. I didn't sleep. Uh, Friday night, uh, another tough night to sleep. <laughs> and then tonight again, I'm going to be honest, tonight, man, tonight was even worse, bro. I couldn't sleep just thinking about everything that, you know, went down. But, you know, honestly, as a competitor, though, I really wanted that, you know, that, that W yesterday, that win, you know, especially for this club right now. We, we're, we, we, we're hungry. We're, we're, we're hungry to win. The guys up there are hungry. They all want to win, so... That's probably the only thing that was missing from last night. I win for sure. Yeah, and the fact that you had your mum there and your brother and cousins, such a special moment for them all to be able to make that short notice as well. Yeah, no, nah, nah, hey, that's something I'm, I'm never going to forget, man. You know, my mom, she she worked so hard for this, you know. I, I wouldn't be there if it wasn't for her, you know. Every every game, she would be the one to take me. She never, she had the most, she had more belief in me, honestly. She believed in me more than I believed in myself, and, and she made sure I kept going, man, from, from, from day one, man. She was, she was the reason why I went hard and why I'm, why I'm here, you know. She's, she's the main reason for sure. So you got the assist today. So how have you found this level to what you're used to? And what do you feel, like you've had that taste now of MLS. What do you feel you now need to do to take your game to that next level and get that MLS contract? Yeah, um, just, just keep, keep keep working repetition just every week working 100% never take never take a day off never always want to get better man always so every day just just keep working and yesterday was a lesson for me you know to see the level of the MLS and atmosphere and everything was definitely a lesson lesson and something that motivates me something that you know I want to be a part of for sure and and that 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 seeing that would definitely motivate me to keep working hard every day and and I'm I'm grateful for this I'm uh, MLS Pro League honestly it's it's probably my first my first professional league that you know organized and everything like it's it's nice I like it every week you got a game against an MLS second team and the level is pretty good the atmosphere the the professionalism of everything fans I feel like it's helping me 
get to the next level and of course all, everybody else is helping us for sure. I mean, we, we've been waiting for this, especially at this club Vancouver, you know, second team hasn't been in a proper league for a long time. So this is helping us for sure, man. We're grateful for this league and, and hopefully uh, all of us get our chance soon, you know. It's a blessing to, to, to Thank you so much. So pleased you made your debut last yeah, night. And I just sure. it's, it's been fun watching you. Yeah, sure. That blues v white game, you were excellent in that. Thank I've you. enjoyed watching this. Thank Good you. luck Thank with everything. You. Thank you. Cheers, Thank you. I appreciate you, yeah. Take care. Thank you. Great stuff from Ali Ahmed there. Delighted for him. And if anyone hasn't seen Sarita's video of him giving his jersey to his mum at the end of the game in Austin, it's like genuinely such a lovely moment. He's going over. And there's a funny moment in it as well because it's all Austin fans. Yeah. And then beside him is his mum and his brothers and his cousins. And then he's handing the jersey over. And you just hear this Austin fan going, oh, yeah, that makes more sense. Because <laughs> he thought he was coming over to give him his jersey. It's like, what? But his mum flew out from Toronto, short notice, and she was like, should I come? And he's like, yeah, come. I might not play, but come anyway. And then he got on for just over half an hour. It's a moment, as he, as he spoke about there, that's going to live with him. He's, he's still processing it, and he hasn't slept. He, he didn't sleep Thursday when he was told he might get it. Didn't have a good sleep on Friday when he's told, yep, you are playing. And then Saturday night, just absolutely buzzing after the game as well. So I think he's going to crash out at some point this week. But absolutely delighted for him. Yeah, uh, so happy for uh, the, the weekend that he's had. And uh, hopefully it just spurs him on to uh, to continue to develop and to, to get more and more chances. Yeah, it's so late in his career to get that chance in MLS. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I had to bring that back. Sorry, yeah. I had to bring that back. Definitely get that that website changed. But, I mean, something I mentioned there to Dazzle, and we'll just kind of finish the, the part off here. If we think back to all this academy talent that's come through, I mean, we've been watching the academy team since 2010, 2011, and all these guys that's come through. I had a, an interesting chat with someone uh one of the provincial games on Saturday about this. How many players that have left the Whitecap system and then gone on to have good careers because we've been terrible at bringing players into the first team and then developing them as first team players. Now, part of it as well has been a little bit of sense of entitlement, and we've talked about that before, but this group, I mean, Ali Ahmed there, you heard him, he's so humble about everything, and they all are. They're all down to earth, and there's no egos I've spoken to a few of these guys now, and Dazzo said that as well. There's no egos in this team. They're playing as a team. They're playing as a unit, as a brotherhood. And that's what, that's what this club needs right now. Well, and it, <laughs> Go ahead, I, think, I think that's what you would expect from a Nick Dasovich coach team. Yep. Right? I think, I think uh, those are all hallmarks of who Nick at, is, was as a player, is as a coach and is as a person right like someone who requires the highest level of commitment and devotion um and um self-sacrifice for the betterment of the team yeah and he's humble as well yes it's like for all he's achieved it's like he's been I very humble with it i still wish we got that shot of him uh when he was talking about all the fonzie money went went to pay for him <laughs> yeah and, and and the thing is is uh, you, you were talking about entitlement there's been a number of players that weren't entitled but they just gave up on too way too quick yeah. Um, like, like we could use the example of Caden Chung and Terry Campbell. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, those two examples that if they had given him some time to develop instead of like saying, okay, these guys aren't good enough. They, or, or they, they're not interested. They're not good enough for first team. They, they gave up on him too quickly. And they, these guys are showing that they could potentially be first team players. That, that, I mean, the issue with those two, you wound up the team they were playing on. And it's like that, that was what lost them to the system. And now, now look at them. They're, they're thriving, but this is, a very exciting team. I, I know there's a bit of doom and gloom amongst the Whitecap support just now. If you want uplifted, get along to Swan Guard next Saturday. They are at home to San Jose Earthquakes 2, uh, a team whose head coach is now leading San Jose Earthquakes 1. So it should be a really good game. You will enjoy the football. It's a great day out. There's a food truck. It's exciting. Go out and support this team. They genuinely really deserve it. That is pretty much it for this episode of the show, but we can't go, of course, without this week's wavelength. And in the last part, when we're recapping the MLS games, there was that bizarre run of games in MLS West where it finished with three 0-0 draws in a, a row in Kansas City and Colorado in Portland. So that reminded me of this song that I had that I, I hadn't played yet. So I'll dig it out now. It's from 2012 from an Irish band called I Can, I Can't. And it's aptly called Three Nil Nils.
Irish band, I can, I can't there, 3-0 nils, basically wasn't written about those three MLS games, but it was written about not wanting the Republic of Ireland to get to a major tournament and have 3 nil nil draws. That's basically the basis of that. So I hope you enjoyed that one. That is pretty much it for this week's show, but before we go, Steve, let everyone know where they can find you online and any final thoughts or anything that you learned this week. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Speed. And um, what I'm hoping for is that with two weeks off now, they can work on their backward passes to the goalkeeper from the midway stripe. And I think they could be on the way up. Oh, man. <clears throat> you can find me on Twitter at Zachary M. Um, and uh, <laughs> a couple of things. Uh, if you want to get involved in su- um, the, su- the supporter culture around the new Fraser Valley, um, CPL team based out of uh, Langley, <laughs> um, the uh, Vancouver 2023 team. Um, be in touch. Um, yeah, lots going on, or a number of things uh, beginning to coalesce around that. Also, just want to give a shout out to two 2011 uh, Whitecap squad members who had significant things happen in their lives over the last couple of weeks. Um, a number a uh, week, week and a half, two weeks ago. Uh, West Knight became a dad, uh, had a little baby girl, him and his wife. And uh, more, more recently, I think it was this weekend, um, Joe Cannon welcomed his third son into their family, him and Marissa. So wow. congratulations. He, he to really the, shot to something out of his cannon. Congratulations to the Knights and the Cannons. I am Michael McCall. You can find me on Twitter at AFTN Canada. Read our stuff away from the numbers, AFTN.ca. Give us a like, subscribe, turn on notifications on YouTube youtube.com backslash AFT in Canada. All my Provincial Cup videos will be going up on that over the coming weeks. Three first round A Cup games I was out at over the weekend. We've got one up at the time of recording. The time this goes out, there might even be a second one up, but we'll have them all up. And I mean, sometimes I spoke about questioning life choices and the teams I support with East Fife and Wimbledon getting relegated this year and the Whitecaps would be if there was such a thing. But there's a lot of good football around and some of the A-Cup action that I took in this weekend, it was highly entertaining. Okay, it might not be top quality level, It's you're not talking like tier one football, but they're entertaining games, it's players that are trying, it's giving them all. The Whitecaps aren't playing next weekend, so get out, watch WFC 2, get out, 
Get some A Cup or B Cup Provincial Cup action in. We'll have all the fixtures on AFTN so you can see what games are on. Genuinely, if you get out to some of these games, I don't think you'll regret it. But we will be back next weekend. I'm thinking about maybe having a, a few special interviews since we won't have a game to recap. But we'll see what we put together during the course of the week. But until then, thanks for listening. Take care. Mon the caps. And get out and support local soccer. Going to your first match is an experience you never forget. The atmosphere of what's going on around the pitch looks beautiful and you always look and go, wow, I'd love to play here one day. If you get the bug, it's going to stay with you for life. Mm-hmm.